biggest party of the summer. It's about to be Feel House Invaded. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with a pro wrestling edition as we stare into the hard cam and flex our guns that are loaded and underwritten by that one and only performance enhancing audio, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear fired the heck up to share yet another loaded episode of Combat Audio you simply won't want to miss. You know it. Yeah, you know it, guys. You know it. Heck yeah. You do it. You're ready. You're prepared in great detail to hear a preview of this weekend's SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver Brooklyn Four cards from WWE. And we'll look back on an absolutely hot fire conclusion to the NJPW G1 Climax 28 tournament at Budokan that has your boy BC all kinds of fired up. Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. Yeah, damn right I am. But before I bring in my co-host, let me remind you one final time that if you haven't shared your voice and spread the love and paid it forward on this podcast, you know what to do if you hear something today that you like. If you see something, say something. Five-star review. Subscribe. Rate. Do all the good stuff on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio or you're going to have the Silver King looking for you one by one, tracking you down to make sure that you do. And speaking of that King of Silver, let's bring him in. Let's cut the long intro and get right into the business. This is a busy week. Here's that guy, right? Say hello to the bad guy. You know the drill, guys. Just shut the F up. Listen, get out of his way. He's about to tell you the news. He's Adam Silverstein, the Silver King. Hey, now. You know, those five-star reviews, when you post them, occasionally, if they're really good, I take screenshots, I put them on Twitter, and I give you an extra shout-out. So the fans get five-star reviews from us when they give us, us five-star reviews. But BC, you know who doesn't get a five-star review? Who? Do you know? Do I have to tell you? Who? Who? You got Vince McMahon? What do you got? Well, Vince, I mean, we have problems with Vince every week. But no, Nick Costas, because once again... I mean, I didn't guys, want to break the fourth wall one more time. Teases the bag, and we got the mess. I Again. Well, look, Silver King, you bring that up. I, I wasn't necessarily going to re- remove the fourth wall and bring the people in again, but it's disappointing. I made a joke last week. Oh, Nick's out of the family will, all that good stuff. Really wanted him for this week. We're kind of on this run of, I don't know, seven to eight weeks or months where it's like, hey, guys, I think I can be back Wednesday. I got so many hot takes about NJPW. I'm going to be there. And you know what? Maybe, you know, we make the Brock Lesnar comparison. Maybe it's more of a Vince comparison because I don't think Nick really cares about the listeners, just like Vince doesn't care about the fans of WWE. But that's my personal issue. I'll work that out on the side. Nobody puffs up Nick's bag and is willing to take his hand and swipe right for him like your guy, B.C., But no, you're not going to get Nick's G1 reaction this week or his SummerSlam preview. So you want me to turn heel on him, Adam? I will. I know you and him are always in this heated war. I always have his back (laughs) like a prime slick with the natural Butch Reed. But I I think I might, you know, I might throw on the towel there. I just find it interesting. The guy G1 climaxes in his pants on Twitter, right? And in in text messages to you and I. And every every opportunity I see him in the office, which is few and far between considering how late he gets in. Um, But... Then we actually want him to come on the show and talk about the thing he loves so much, and we get stiff-armed. Yeah, here's my message to Nick, just to close. I don't want to go all show on this. We have so much to get into, but here's my message to Nick. This is for himself. Take the L and admit you're wrong. 
because you sound ridiculous. No, you don't sound like anything because you're not on the show, guy, anymore. But just to remind you, Nick, if you are out there, if you happen to listen this week, what this show is called. In this Campbell podcast. All right. Not in this Costos. Nobody's getting in this. Maybe people on Saturday nights are getting in this Costos. That's Nick's personal life. I'm not going there. Can we move on to things that really matter? And on a somber note, Adam, before we get into the main event, such a loaded show. And I hope you all checked out our bonus interview episode on Tuesday, by the way. Shout out to Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. But we had a passing in the WWE Universe with the legend Jim the Anvil Neidhart at age 63. This did feel like a shocker, Adam. We all have a lot of great memories about him. I'd hit the 10-bell salute if I could right now. I grew up with the Anvil being a real deal, a real funny heel who could stroke that goatee, who could do the signature laugh. And you forget that his laugh, his evil laugh, is just as signature as Ted DiBiase. Great moments with the Hart Foundation resurfaced, of course, in the Canada versus USA, Brett versus Austin run in the Attitude Era. How will you most remember the Anvil? The second version of the Hart Foundation, really. Because even though the original, the tag team, the tag team champions was so big and important, that's not the era where I was really watching WWE to the level that I was when I was a teenager, right? So the, the Reformed Heart Foundation, I posted a picture on Twitter that if you saw, man, holy crap, they're all gone except Brett. And it's just gut-wrenching, right, to see that. Yeah. But that era, him getting involved in that uh, Canadian stampede, right? Oh, pay-per-view he, rewind, yeah. Yeah, pay-per-view rewind, where he gets involved and he was he made so much of that match important and then we also saw the brett owen hart match right the second one that we both thought was better and he played a huge role having owens back over brett's in that after being brett's tag team partner obviously early in his career as the Hart foundation so that is how i'm going to remember him the later run that he had in wwe not to take away from the earlier run that's just the way i remember he was the powerhouse to brett's technical ability in the Hart foundation we did like him it's sad obviously he's the father of uh natalia uh, sad situation. It's tough to see a lot of your heroes growing up. I'm not gonna, you know, rip the Anvil. I love him, but he's kind of a kind of a, a rich man's Marty Jannetty. I know he had a second run there. I, I think he's probably a little bit better than like a Nikolai Volkov, who got a credit for being a little more famous. But the Anvil had a really strong run. Had some troubles outside the ring. Got fired a few times from WWE. But we give him the tribute on this show. Hear a little bit of sound before the main event. You talk about contenders, one team certainly in the forefront, none other than the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart, and Jim the Anvil Nyhart. There are no other teams. <laughs> Pretty boy. The time has come. <laughs> the time is here. It's now. It's the foundation. We've already <laughs> smashed out. And disintegrated the little killer bees. <laughs> that was easy, right, Hitman? And Jeez, now, Jeez. oh, it was easy. It was a piece of cake. <laughs> and now, the little British pups. Hold on. Pups. Of course, it reminds you there of the great feuds of the British Bulldogs, Killer Bees, and beyond. Age 63, Jim the Anvil, a Neidhart, Silver King. I think it's time we get into the meat of the show. You know how we always start it, right? You got anything else to say before we kick into the, we stick our fingers right in the middle of the beef and we just smooth it around there? Um, No, I'm ready for the main event. All right. Uh, you know, I'm always late finding the sound button. Here we go. It's time for the main event. Hello, ladies. What the hell is this? No. 
That's right. You know who I am, and you know why. I'm here. Handsome, well-dressed Nick Costos is back. And you're damn right, gentlemen. You know that I heard what you said about me last week when you buried Handsome Nick, when you said that Handsome Nick was never going to be on the show again, that Handsome Nick didn't care about the audience, that Handsome, well-dressed Nick didn't care about the ITC. Well, if I said it once, Handsome Nick has said it a thousand times. Well-dressed Nick has said it a million times. He, in fact, does not rest in peace. He can stay up all night. And you know, while Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick, while he was gone, while he was on his sabbatical, Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick, he hears what everyone has to say about the ITC. Everyone loves the ITC, with or without Handsome Nick. The ITC rolls on, even without him. They love the man whose name is on the marquee, Brian Campbell. They love the Silver Hedger himself, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. The ITC is a five-star program with or without Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick. But CBS, the brass, they came to Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick and they said, Handsome, Well-Dressed Nick, we like five-star. Five-star is great. But when it's the three of you, when the gang is back together, we go to six and we go to seven stars. And you just had to know that he would be back since he climaxed this weekend watching the G1 Climax with SummerSlam coming up, the biggest party of the summer. And I'm not just talking about the one in my pants, that handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos would return to the ITC. And handsome and well-dressed Nick, he ain't Brock Lesnar, he's Ric Flair because he's working all the damn time. Hey, Silver King, you know why handsome, well-dressed Nick comes in late to work? Because he's staying late at work because someone's got to do the damn highlights and only one man and one man only can handle that shift, can work for 12 hours on the network every day and be on the network from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. And his name is Handsome Nick Costos. His name is Well-Dressed Nick Costos. And Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick is here to dominate, obliterate, and eviscerate. So it's time now. That intro was great, Brian Campbell, but I think we can do one better. So let's pause here and let's get right into it. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Welcome into In This Corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now, my name is... Damn it, you already heard it. Follow me on Instagram at the Costos because I am petty, I am insecure, and damn it, I am back. As always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, he is the king of predictions. What do I mean by that? He makes a million of them, so when one is right, he gets to go on Twitter and tell you he was right. Don't believe me? Just ask him. He'd love to tell you. He is the silver hedger himself. He is the silver king. Adam Silverstein. Hey now. <laughs> and I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Oh, wow. Come on. He is the icon. Bring it. He is the showstopper. My man. He is the main event. One time. He is the bod that runs the pod. Here we go. He is the mast that guides the cast. Stay hyped. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Wow. Yeah. BC, tell him what's on the podcast. Feel that. Wow. Wow. Feel it all. He's back. He ran in. Oh, my God. It's Nick Costos. How incredible is it that I was right that we coaxed him out of hiding? 
with last week's intro. Yeah, is this a this rock and Cena? Over here, is this Silver Cena here? What's going on? You know, it, it is great to be back. You guys have held down the fort tremendously. The show, as I said, is five stars with or without me, but hoping that handsome and well-dressed Nick can bring a little something extra on the program today. Too much great stuff in the world of wrestling. Really appreciate everything from the listeners out there. I'd be on the show every week if I could. My duties on CBS Sports HQ sometimes take away from that, and I don't want to shortchange the audience. There are weeks where I can't spend five hours watching WWE. I can't come on the podcast if I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I made sure that this week that I was up to speed on SummerSlam, and you know that I was climaxing along with each and every one of you watching New Japan. So I am ready, and I am back ready to talk wrestling with the ITC. So BC, we now have the longest intro in show history, which you know is my favorite thing in the world. Why don't we get the hell in to the main event? And Silver King, before you get us into the G1, Nick said he listens to the show. He still supports us. We got to get a two minute because I know your time is tight and limited, just like right after the junior prom, probably. For you maybe the ring dance i don't know how promiscuous you were how Not gross 90 seconds. how gross was that editors removed that from the show in the post just kidding nick did you hear what bret hart said about your boys did you hear it did you did you read it he absolutely loves the itc and why wouldn't he <laughs> uh, as a state for the record i was not banging sunny it's true he wasn't banging sunny and he hates us so so there there you have it um, well, I mean, I don't, that's not something I would brag about personally if it were me, if I didn't do it. You know, that's more something that I would want to like throw out there if it did happen. No, but you, what you would do is get into a hair pulling contest with Shawn Michaels over it, (laughs) which is, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, listen, sunny days are are here for the rest of us, buddy, for the best of us. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, tough, tough weekend, tough weekend for the hearts, but let's bounce back. Let's go. Let's do it. We are. We're just going to, we're going to start sunny days. You want to talk about sunny days in the pro wrestling industry? NJPW, G1. Climax, 28 and BC. Say, say it like the Japanese announcer does. G1 Climax, 28. And BC, I normally start with you, but since we do have, call him a special guest again, I don't know. Since we do have Nick in the studio, and he's actually in the studio, he's not taping from home laying in his bed, which is a very unique scenario as well. With, with, with you know, with, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Yeah, Pelvic that's fine. He is here, he's in the studio. Let's start with the NJPW G1 Climax 28. And Nick, we, BC and I have gone through Basically everything leading up to the final three days. So I'm gonna I want you to catch us up on your thought process leading into the semifinals and finals. Who were you really into match wise, uh, uh, personality wise, and what matches really stood out for you before those finals? Oh three man, days? I mean, you know, can I start? Can I start off with a complaint? Yeah, and, and it's and it's the best complaint of all time. It's actually it's it's too much of a good thing almost that it's like. I'm almost desensitized to four and five star matches after watching the G1 that it reaches the point where I'm like, I don't even know if what I watched was like a five star match or like a six. They're all incredible. So they all kind of bleed together and it's kind of hard to delineate and separate them, right? I mean, Omega Naito on the first night of the G1, the first night of the B block was, I mean, I, I remember watching that match and thinking like that was good enough to be the final and that was just the first night. And then it just got progressively better and better from there. Now, of course, Okada's tremendous. His matches are great. Tanahashi, to me, was the MVP of the entire tournament. I loved watching Tanahashi. I'm a huge fan of Switchblade Jay White, who all of a sudden, like at some point this year, the switch flipped in his head, 
uh, no, no, no pun, pun intended for the switchblade and he became maybe the best heel in all of pro wrestling the best pure heel he was fantastic of course you love Kenny Omega you love Kota Ibushi you love Ishii Goto's matches were really good Tetsuya Naito's great Silver King I know you're not the biggest fan of Zack Sabre Jr. I happen to love Zack Sabre Jr.'s matches the guy that I think impressed me the most though BC and Silver King was Sonata I loved Sonata's matches. He is tremendous. I wish I could give him like a tenth of my charisma and then he would be a world <laughs> champion in NJP. I mean, the guy doesn't have a ton of charisma. He's got he's got the look. I, I got a Sonata shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Cheap, yeah. cheap plug, plug for them. I love my Sonata shirt. Can we get Sonata some damn charisma? So anyway, the final three nights were fantastic. Okada Tanahashi was terrific. Um, Omega Ibushi. I actually thought Okada Tanahashi was better than Omega Ibushi, and I thought that Tanahashi Ibushi was the best of the three this past weekend. Wow, wow. Good good, strong start there. I think you identified what's the best part of the tournament in general, but specifically this year. And yes, it is hard that like we actually can be disappointed after a five-star match. And I actually had that happen twice in this tournament because I was expecting to like finish the match naked. If you really want to be honest, all right, and I and I still had my pants on, and you got to deal with that sometimes. Sometimes you got to accept a five star match. How ridiculous of a statement is that? But the thing that I love about this tournament is it allows multiple guys to get elevated. You're popping for Sonata this year. Last year I was popping for Sonata. This year I've been talking for the last few weeks how I'm going nuts about Abushi and I'm going nuts about Saber and the brilliance, Nick, of the B block finishing at a four way tie. In theory. It's the opposite of the 50-50 booking we hate in WWE, where no one looks good in the end. Instead, everyone looked good. Saber made a giant leap. Nick Abushi made a leap to the level where I stand by this comment better than I stand by Silver King a couple months ago saying Seth Rollins is the best wrestler in the world. Kota Abushi, I think, in this tournament leaped to become the second best wrestler in the world right now. And that Beyond gap two. from one to two between him and Kennedy ain't that okay. far apart, Nick. Ain't that far we're, apart. I mean, I think we're splitting hairs kind of, right? Like, they're all really tremendous. You can make the case that Tanahashi's better than all of them. You can make the case that Okada's better than all of them. The point is, is that they're, and, and Naito's on that level. They're all so great. And, like, it's so stark in contrast when you go from NJPW to WWE. It's almost like it's not even, like, the same thing. It's like one's wrestling and one's a soap opera. And And, look, and I get it. There's a place for WWE, and I'll always watch WWE. But as far as the pure wrestling is concerned, I mean— like every match was, it was unbelievable. Like these spots are incredible. Silver King, you tweeted something and I'm not, I don't think you stole the tweet from me and I'm not insinuating this, mm -hmm. but I think it just goes to show how good the product is. You tweeted this and I tweeted the same thing about a week earlier where by the end of these matches, they're doing all these spots. I'm just laughing. Cause yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you're just like, this is so freaking good that like, there's no other recourse. You laugh in awe of the spectacular athleticism and the bounce that you're watching are just so damn good and so damn innovative and inventive and the storytelling's tremendous and there's so much thought put into it. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan and, and look, and I read the reviews and I see there are people that don't like the NJPW stuff and you can fast forward past it if you don't want to hear it. But if you're a wrestling fan and you're not watching NJPW, I promise you're doing yourself a disservice. You are doing yourself a disservice. So you can think, oh, I don't like it, Japanese wrestling, whatever. You should watch it. I guarantee you will like it. Well, that's the thing. It's not Japanese wrestling anymore. Like, it used to be, but half the guys are gaijin, and you, they speak English, and the commentary is in English. So it's just a superior in-ring wrestling product, and I don't even mean to give it that caveat. I'm just simply saying the in-ring product is that much better. Then you get into the storytelling. They, you think about the G1. We talk about the wrestling. It's great. Yeah. 
they plan a month long yeah. storyline between 20 dudes over two separate shows. It's wild. And have it merge at the end. That's what, you... That shows you, by the way, why every match matters, Adam, because the, every match yeah. may not feel like it matters in the moment, but it matters at the end for four of them to finish in a tie. And then you're like, oh, my God, who wins the tiebreaker? This is crazy. And well, also in the A block, right? So Jay White opens the tournament with wins over Okada Tanahashi. So if they're tied at the end, Jay White has the tiebreaker over both. So you go to that final night and there's like five separate things in play. It's tremendous. It's so it's just so well booked and so well thought out. And I, I almost feel like, and I don't know that this is true. I almost feel like they go into the last day and they give themselves two options and they make that choice. Maybe not that day, but I feel like they set up the storylines no so that when they get to the end, they can... They have options, depending on crowd reaction, depending on how things play out, in case anyone gets injured. I do think they have a little flexibility. Well, you know where the flexibility so comes smart. from, though? Because Tanahashi, like, they do, like, the briefcase gimmick with right. the G1 and he'll and he'll have to defend it. But I, I can't imagine, like, so like, they, they went into the final day, like, they because it's a Wrestle Kingdom Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just saying towards the end, maybe yeah. the last couple of days, they say, hey, you know what, maybe we'll give a little flexibility. But since you mentioned the Wrestle Kingdom main event, and since you gave me crap for predictions earlier in this show... The Silver King predicted Tanahashi winning the G1, not just being in the finals, winning. BC predicted Kota Ibushi. That's a head-to-head W for the Silver King. <laughs> this guy, this guy, Nick, right? Well, this I mean, guy. If, I mean, if that, I mean, a if, month earlier, you can't, come on. You can't really disagree. I mean, that's what happened. Hey, so, well, it is what happened. Let's give him his moment. The, the Silver right? King, no, but, no, but here's where, like, like I, Silver King was right. Great. Silver King's also wrong, which he never admits, but this time he's right. I'm never wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, he'll always the, hedge it back into a the win. The king does yeah, not know, you know what you were talking It was a good pick. And by the way, you know, we'll get into the Wrestle Kingdom prediction. But I mean, God, if it stays Kenny versus friggin' Tanahashi, you're like, holy crap, that's a marquee once in a lifetime sort of main event. So I'm happy the way it went there. I thought, like I said, uh, Abushi became a, a bigger star. Sabre became a bigger star. Uh, we get into that final weekend of matches, guys. Uh, they say last year was the greatest G1 in history, and it was pretty amazing. I don't know if this year beat last year, but damn, this year was good. Damn, it, it delivered yeah, the last well, three days. I enjoyed it more. What I would say is day-to-day on the B block, those B block shows were, were better. better than any individual block shows last year. Or but, this, yeah, obviously better right. than the A block this year, too. But, but yeah, crapped all over the A block. But the, if you're talking about the final three matches this year compared to last year, last year beat it. Last year, top to bottom, overall, it was more balanced. It was a better final match. I thought it was better overall. This year, the B block was so strong that those individual shows were be- were better watches, if that makes sense. I-, I think I enjoyed this tournament more from a storyline perspective, like how it played out at the end. Agreed. Look, Omega Okada last year, Omega Naito were both, I mean, yeah. just through the roof matches. And I think Silver King, you're right that those two matches were better than any of the three matches of the, of the final matches, including Omega Bushi. And I do think, by the way, the Omega Bushi match, like, they're going to do a big singles blow off at yes. some point between the two of them. So like they can't do every, yeah. and they have the time limit constraint. This was a five so, star like, appetizer, Nick, a five star appetizer. Like it was I don't, like, I, I don't know if I'd go, I go, maybe, okay, we're splitting hairs here. I don't yeah. know if it's a five star match for me, but the next one is going to be, but Okada Tanahashi, the story, the storytelling in that match. So you have the added story, right? Of Tanahashi hasn't beat Okada in like three years. And Okada has owned that rivalry, including the win a couple months ago when Okada broke Tanahashi's own record for consecutive title defenses. So even though Tanahashi advanced via the time limit draw, the finish was so brilliant with the high five flow in the final five seconds, Okada kicks out bell rings, time limit draw, leaving it uncertain as to who actually would have won. 
So Tanahashi, yeah, he advanced, but he still hasn't beaten Okada. Love it. So they still have that in their back pocket. Nick, it shows you that everything matters to them. They they cover every detail. Like, if there's a gaping hole, it is the lack of, like, although they do have video packages before the match that sort of get you primed. They're not as obviously not as good as WWE. What they're lacking, I think, are pre-match interviews because the Kenny and Kota match, for example, there's so much emotion there of two friends, lovers, teammates, partners, whatever you want to say, now have to face each other. If both could have had a WrestleMania 3 or WrestleMania 4 style pre-match interview, that's the only thing that can put it over the top that you can steal from WWE. Outside of that, every friggin' detail matters, and it's perfect. It's So you're you're right, but they give you the post-match. And WWE yeah. doesn't give you the post-match. And you can't drink Coors Light during the post-match uh, and say the F word either. So, I mean, it's just everything is, is so damn good on that end. And, you know, I said the five-star appetizer, by the way, real quick on Kenny and Coda. It, it was physical poetry. It purposely, like you said, wasn't the best match it could have been. But those two do better physical poetry than I think either even Naito and Kenny do, and even Kenny and Okada do. And that's why I think Kenny and Kota have the only – they're the only two guys that can best what Kenny and Okada have done. I think they have that potential to Maybe. do a 47-star match. I mean, dude – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and disagree with that just because I don't know if it's possible, like mathematically. Like I don't know if it's possible for that to happen, but maybe. And by the way, we've it. seen a lot of – sorry, we've seen a lot of Omega-Naito matches that have all been five stars – and they're all 30-minute time limit matches, you don't know what they could do together given an hour, hour 10. I'm just 10. saying, Kota has physical, his physical ceiling is higher than Okada's. It really is. And How the great is that spot? The standing moonsault with the knees to the chest. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, so it's freaking ri- ridiculous. Dude, admit it. The physical chemistry between Kenny and Kota is off the damn charts. I mean, you mean in, in the ring or outside oh, of the ring? Wow. I mean, wow. Oh, this is this is bigger than best bouts. Best bouts. Yeah, this is a lot <laughs> bigger than that. Wow, they've had some best bouts that were untelevised is what you're trying to say. Yeah, their, their, their bodies match up perfectly. It's a wonderland. I'll use my hands. They're going to – and by the way, the story in that – Kenny has never beaten Coda. Coda's the only man to kick out of the one wing angel back in like 2012. It's, it's so, it's it was awesome. so awesome and so perfect. And I was just, ah, uh, loved it. And yet, what was it? The third best match of the weekend? I mean, it's just absurd. It's just really absurd. It was. But speaking of the weekend, I do want to kind of ask you guys, I put myself over with the prediction. Obviously, I was half joking, let's say. But do you guys really yeah, quarter. think. Quarter. Uh, do you guys think Tanahashi was the right winner? Because, BC, I know that you don't. So I kind of want to ask Nick first. Are you okay with Tanahashi winning? And what did you think of that match as a transfer? If you had told me before the tournament Tanahashi is going to win, I would have said terrible. No, absolutely not. But I think, you know, as we all started watching New Japan around the same time, mm-hmm. and when we started watching New Japan, Tanahashi was kind of not in the main event scene anymore. Um, like still obviously towards the top of the card, but he had the IC title feud with Naito. He loses a bunch to Okada. So with Tanahashi, like we never really got to see, and, and I guess he's kind of, he's a much better worker than Cena. So I don't, that's not the comparison he's that the I'm making here. Though. But he's kind of like the equivalent in terms yeah. of like star power. It's like a John Cena. He's a million times a better wrestler than Cena. So that, I'm not trying to say, make that comparison. But I don't think that we got to see that Tanahashi, right? Since we came in at that time. But he'd been hurt. He'd been really hurt. Two different body parts. He'd been hurt. Yeah, for the last year. absolutely. With the, in the arm, especially. And by the way, just real quick, his mindset. He reads the Dynamite Kid autobiography, like cover to cover, and his mindset is similar to that. Where Tanahashi wants to leave it all out there and be physically removed from the ring. Like he's gonna give you. That's why he fought through those really bad injuries last year, where he wasn't up to the level that he was this year. And you're you're dead on, Nick. So, so if you had told me before the tournament Tanahashi is gonna win, I would have been like, well, that's kind of lame. I don't know if I want to see Tanahashi. But as the tournament moved on and I'm watching all his matches and I'm watching the kind of the storylines yeah. unfold and we built to that match with Okada. 
I kind of found myself, and this is where, and I've said it before, where wrestling becomes Shakespeare is when you kind of lose yourself in the moment and you feel like it's real and you're marking out even though you know it's fake, where I was rooting for Tanahashi in the Okada match like I was rooting for like the Yankees in the World Series or like the Giants in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and I got to tell you, you guys know that I'm a, a massive Kenny Omega mark. I'm going to root for Tanahashi in that match in the Tokyo. Wow, Dome now that's a change. And by the way, look, I love Ace. When Adam and I saw him in person in New Orleans WrestleMania weekend, there's a physical presence that he exudes that Insane. leaps he's out of the He's in ridiculous shape, and he's got maybe the greatest hairstyle oh, of all Oh, and he's time. a handsome man, and all those things come together, but he just— Go, Ace! He just reeks star. And the, the, the Dude, what he did after winning— by the way, he's the real rock here. star, like not Shinsuke Nakamura. He's the <laughs> Tanahashi's the, the rock star. Yes. What he yes. did with that twenty-minute air guitar session, th pretending to catch the guitar from the crowd—that's the modern equivalent of Hulk Hogan posing for a half hour after the main event ends. Which is crazy to think about—that the entire crowd would stay for thirty minutes after a WWE show and just watch Hulk pose and not lose any interest. This is the only guy who can pull something like that off today in twenty eighteen. They, they actually booed when he like broke the guitar. And before he grabbed when them, because they, they, they didn't want him to leave. It's awesome. And he got one from the crowd, obviously, and came back and they were, you know, up on their feet. Well, not up on their feet because they don't really do that. But cheering, you understand what I'm saying. Um, the reason why I liked the Tanahashi thing, and BC, you can weigh in because you predicted Ibushi and you really wanted Ibushi to, to win. The reason I like it is because if he does go to Wrestle Kingdom, which we would all expect that he will, it sets up an old guard versus new guard match that WWE kind of tried to do with Rock Cena. Obviously a little bit different because it's not really the full equivalency there. Um, maybe maybe Cena CM Punk a little bit closer. But with the guy who is the champion, who earned his way there, who is the, the new guard, the, the trying to lead NGPW not just into a new revolution but into the United States, into English-speaking countries, and the guy who rescued New Japan Pro Wrestling from basically being crap and, and brought them back to prominence again. Who do you guys think the crowd in, um, at the Tokyo Dome is going to cheer for? Tanahashi. The crowd is, and I'll bet you Omega plays the heel in the match. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and it'll do it great. And, 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 it, and it's going to be awesome. Oh, and to your point, Adam, I only didn't want it for storyline purposes, but it certainly yeah, makes yeah. sense financially. It's a dream match. They've only fought, what, the last time they fought was like three or four years ago in a regular pay-per-view match. And ultimately, I think it's also a fail-safe if Kenny is, and I don't think he's leaving the revolution, but if he was, we know his contract had consistently been up right around Royal Rumble time. If they don't think they're going to re-sign him, you just put the belt back on Ace, and he's the perfect transition. It's weird to use a legend as a transition, but he's the perfect transitional guy to whoever you want it next. And oh, and, and what you him. do is then it's Tanahashi Okada again in the exactly. main event of Dominion is what is what you do. And I will, but like, please, uh, Young Bucks, Marty Skrull, Cody, Hangman Page, you guys can all go to WWE. Great. Kenny Omega <laughs> cannot. WWE, no. do not touch Kenny Omega. You so cannot Skywalker of the Revolution. You cannot you cannot ruin Kenny Omega. That might ruin wrestling for me if WWE ruined Kenny Omega. I think the thing with Omega for me is I do want him there one day, but it doesn't need to be now. No, like AJ Styles time, exactly. like five six years from now. I'm sick of people cheering for it. I, I'm not going to go through the same rant that I always do, but I'm I'm really sick of people that are that are actually cheering for it. If you, even if you're the most hardcore WWE fan, 
Why would you want to eliminate competition when we are fans only because we fell in love with wrestling during times when there was intense competition and we fell in love because the wrestling was that good because of the competition. And then people are like, well, I'd really like to see Kenny and Seth Rollins, so I hope he signs with that. Get the F out of here. Get out of my revolution. Get out of my ring, Stephanie McMahon. You don't know wrestling. You don't know me. You don't know the bulge in my pants. Don't talk to me ever again. Because they, they wouldn't even let him do the one-winged angel, right? And like, they would, they would ban that move in WWE. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did ban Joe's muscle buster, it seems. Um, so maybe. Because well, he killed Tyson Kidd with it almost, yeah. right? Yeah. But, it's, I mean, he did it a million other times and it was safe. So. All right. Before we get into that, that, or maybe we'll get into the final match right now. Look, the final match was fantastic. It wasn't the best match of the tournament. Maybe it wasn't even the best match of the weekend. But it certainly lived up to what you'd want one to be with the, with the drama, the back and forth. Look, when Tana hulked up at the end of that match and they got into another slap war, with the palm strikes, dude, that was just a sick, that's a laughing moment, Nick. That's a stand up and go, it's pro sick. wrestling, you got me again. Did you guys like the Japanese translator filling in for Don Callis? Somehow they just decided to make him a big part of the telecast. Normally he just jumps in to translate when somebody's yelling at the referee in, in Japanese. Him marking out, out of control. Like I, I swear he was sitting there with no pants on. In support of Tanahashi, at first I was like, get this mark, get this loser off. Then I realized that's the equivalent of Don Callis sitting in that chair Correct. going nuts Correct. for Kenny Omega. I kind of liked what it did to the broadcast there. You're talking about, you're talking about Rocky Romero? No, no I'm the, talking about the, the, third, the third guy, guy they had. Oh, the third guy, okay. The translator they um, had in the championship. I'll, I'll say this. Um, you guys know I'm a big Callis fan. Kevin Kelly, for my taste, still takes the Lord's name in vain too much. Whether you're religious or not religious, I just feel like it's unnecessary. Like, yeah. like don't do it. Like, Agreed. Like, think, have another superlative other than the J word, which I won't say here, but I mean, it's like, you can come up with something else. Like you don't have to do it. So yeah, come up with something like this. Oh God, the shotgun Osaka. I love it. Go ahead, Nick. So, but he's fantastic. He's terrific. And I'll say like, if you had told me before the tournament, that Callis wouldn't be there for the vast majority of it. And Rocky Romero would be the commentator. I would have been like, uh, it's okay. But I wish Callis were there. I thought Romero was great. Yeah. I, I thought the English broadcast team was a lot of fun to listen to. I thought they were fantastic. And how much of a difference was it? We got every single one. All in of them. And that's what they should do because there are great. fans like us that really like it. And Rocky stepped it up big, like you said. And guys, did you see when Abushi hit that last ride late in the match and it was set up to, to leave you to believe that's him going over? That was yep. one of the better near falls and most dramatic I've ever seen. Did you see Red Shoes leap across the ring? Like, he took Hebner level to, like, an all-new level. He slapped that mat so damn hard. And Abushi selling the near fall by sitting up and just staring at Tana like, what are you made of? That may have been my favorite moment of the tournament. And this is a tournament with a lot of storylines. I love what the Tongans did. I love everything. That moment, Nick, I, I was they had me. You had me at hello. And it was, yeah, it was, it was tremendous. There's no doubt about it. And I just can't wait for this fall. We'll get an Omega Ishii title match, obviously, which was set up when Ishii beat Omega. That was a five-star match. I mean, Jericho at some point is going to be reintroduced here to defend the Intercontinental title at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, I can't wait to see what they're doing with Okada and his new storyline that he's kind of lost his mind with the balloons and stuff here no, after losing the title it. the first couple matches. It sucks, Nick. I be honest, that it. sucks. I love it. Be honest, no, no, the red listen, hair no but they're balloons. doing it on purpose. They're working I get it. 
win. That's what I tried to tell him. But it still sucks, even though they're doing no, it on no, purpose. No, it doesn't, because you're going to end up loving it, and we're going to be like, they worked you. He's like Eugene. They're working you. I mean, like, what, what is going on here? Like, again, I'm not story, getting work. That's the story, he's losing it. That's I'm not the getting work. Brian. You're getting work. It just stinks. the difference. Why would you take a stud? Why would you take a stud and water him down? Anyway, by the way. He's not watered down. He's phenomenal. What are you talking about? he's watered down to the point. That he and I want you guys to share yours. He in a was second. in the finals of the A block and they went to a time limit draw. What the hell are you talking uh, about? I'll, I'll jump in when I'm when you're ready. Uh, he's watered down to the <laughs> point that he actually didn't make my first team all G128. The oh, five oh, oh, best well, performers. Now, in that case, if he didn't make Brian Campbell's Dude, all Dude, he's the team. second best wrestler in the world coming in, and he didn't even make my top five, and he almost the won block. the damn block. Because he's in the A block. He would have been probably number two. And he held the title forever. When you lose the title after holding it forever, you either stay at the top and win it back in the rematch right away, or you have to do something else with the guy. And they had they told this entire story of him finding himself trying to have fun, maybe not being as successful do, going that direction, and now they're going to build him back up. It's yeah, a great he, story. You can't just keep him at the top. How about you guys shut the F up and let me talk for a minute? How about guys? you guys let me give you my first team all G1? And I think I nailed it here, all right? But by the way, what do you think? I've got like eight hours on the you show do. here. i got to sit through here's your Here's the starting G1 five. Here's the, first, the the MVP for me is Ibushi. You said Tana. That's fine. We'll hear Silver Kings in a second. The MVP for me is Ibushi made the biggest leap. The first team, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Tetsuya Naito, Ace Tanahashi, and Zack Sabre Jr. gets the fifth spot. The honorable mention, crazy, it's going to Toriano because, damn, he was good in this one, and he came close. How could a guy like that make the top five? He came close. What do you got? Thank you for wasting 30 seconds of yeah. our life. Um, not even having Ishii in there is ridiculous, um, by the way. Yeah, I'm not giving I'm not mine. It was, they were all, yeah. I, I went through all the guys that impressed me, and I, don't, and I don't have a million hours, Brian. I don't know if you want to give us, like, your top 300 ranking here or, like, top 20 guys on, on, on the Cruiserweight show or whatever the hell it's called, 205 it's Live. Over. Give the us the top 205 over. wrestlers on 205 Live next, Brian. <laughs> the, the joke didn't get over. It hit hard, but it was a good try. Uh, Silver King, who's your MVP? Tanahashi, yeah. I mean— you saw it in the final two matches. Against I don't Okada, think he was the MVP Ibushi. of the tournament, though. I think you guys missed that. And that's fine. I, I think you missed Gary it. Gary Danielson in like 20 minutes. No, Can but to be really honest slam? with you, the final point, I think you guys missed it. He performed great. He was not the most valuable of the whole tournament. Guys, it was it was Kota or it was Kenny or it was maybe Sabre, maybe Naito. It was basically anyone the guy in the that had Toru Yano in his top five. <laughs> yeah, as, as his honorable mention, you have effing, you know, Yano there. Come on, give hey, me a break. Thanos Backlund will stand by me on that when that guy delivered this tournament nick do you have any big picture SummerSlam thoughts i know your time is you so two minutes damn now. precious nick your time thank you for coming what did, back what did i write that i wanted to talk so, about all right let's start off uh can with, i see the paper that yeah, you sure. got? yeah let me talk, see what talk I've got to here. us start off by talking to us about reigns lesnar um okay um i i think that we got to give vince a little credit right because reigns is actually getting sheared now now i i, I cannot wait for the crowd reaction on sunday night because i feel like the new york crowd is at WrestleMania 20, when Lesnar was going to leave and he had that match against Goldberg, they both got booed out of the building, both Lesnar and Goldberg, and then Austin stunned them both, obviously, after the match. I don't know if – I think we might get a similar reaction here with a really smart crowd probably that's going to be there on Sunday night at SummerSlam. I I'm just utterly fascinated. Now, I will say, look, Reigns has to win this match. Like, Brock Lesnar – the only way that Brock Lesnar can win the match is if he drops the belt the next night to either Strowman or Rollins. That's the only way that this can happen. And Kevin Owens should not win that match. Strowman has to keep the briefcase. That, that's the other thing. So I, I'm actually really excited for the Reigns-Lesnar main event. Um, I can't wait to see the crowd reaction. I can't wait to watch the match itself. I can't wait to see how it ends. So I think WWE's done a pretty good job of building this match up. So I, I'm kind of into Reigns and Lesnar. Wow. Wow. All right. That, that, I'm, 
Paul Heyman's been friggin' next level, you know, out through the roof. But I don't want to talk, Nick. You've got precious few seconds left. You got anything else that's hot and pressing on the okay, tip of um, your tongue? So, so watching Raw this past week, um, and you guys know, like, I love Ronda Rousey. I said that, you know, Silver King loves her too. We all love her. I, I said before the WrestleMania match that people that thought that match was going to be bad or nuts, like, she's awesome. Um, I think you saw, even more so than the WrestleMania match, on Monday night, you saw the glimpse into her true potential as a super duper duper star, right? So she starts that opening promo about Jim the Anvil Nightheart. She's obviously friends with Natalia. Rest in peace to the Anvil, Natalia's father. And she goes into that analogy about what fathers mean to daughters or whatever the hell. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, this is, this is so bad that she might get booed out of the building here and this could ruin her forever. And not only is that not what happened, but she pulled it out of the fire to the point that Everyone was cheering and chanting for Natalia and then chanting for Ronda Rousey. So she had a moment where it could have gone all the way to hell and she brought it all the way back and made it great. And she's a rookie and she hasn't done this for that long. She is awesome and she is on the fast track, not to super stardom, but to super duper 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 stardom. She was fantastic. And by the way, Alexa Bliss is also great. That promo that Alexa Bliss cut was fantastic. I can't wait for this match, Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss. If I'm booking it, the match is 30 seconds long. Ronda Rousey wins. And celebrates, leaves, it's over. BC, I'm right that Rhonda's father committed suicide, right? So that was right. actually real and heartfelt? Yeah, and I thought she did dip into it a little bit. Oh, about... I, I, I had no idea yeah. that that was the I would have liked more in that, in fact. And, and yeah, I mean, that's a touchy... I've interviewed multiple times in MMA, and when you bring that up, tears instantly come as you would, you know, So expect. it was actually coming from... So not only was That's it, interesting, I didn't know that. But not only was it good, yeah. it was somewhat extemporaneous. Yeah. Because it wasn't scripted, that was actually her talking on a mic as opposed to them scripting lines for her. It was, it was, it was amazing. If they and could... like I said, like, like it was, it was, it could have gone in a totally different direction and she rescued it and, and delivered it to such an unbelievable degree that like, I don't think people, and, and, and look, I, I don't say this to like, be like, uh, like, like I'm like on a pedestal above people. Like I talk for a living. Right. So I feel like when I watch this stuff, I kind of have like a different mindset almost because I'm in show business. Right. This is what I do for a living. I don't know that people understand how incredible and how remarkable and how impressive that is, what she was able to do on Monday night. I watched it in awe and just came away thinking like she's unreal. She's, they, she's they incredible. They just have to stop with the hair, the weird hair. And they got to stop allowing uh, I think she, I think boxing she awesome. to be a finish, like one of what a setup moves for her because she got exposed so badly in her stand up in UFC. They just got to remove that from the memory. All right. A couple other things here before I get going. Number one, um, I would set the likelihood at 1 billion percent that Dean Ambrose turns on Seth Rollins on Sunday at SummerSlam. Dean Ambrose, by the way, looks great. I thought Renee Young, also speaking of Dean Ambrose, was awesome on commentary on Monday night. I would love to see her get more reps. Well, hold in the on. Booth. Real quick. Was it, was she really awesome, or was she just like adequate to pretty good? I thought she was adequate to pretty good. Awesome is is sort of a next level. Um, I thought that she provided an awesome contrast to Corey Graves. How about that? Is that is that fair? I mean, and also in comparison to Coach. Uh, I I kind of like the coach, so I won't go there. But I I did like I did like it, it, without bringing Coach into it, like in a vacuum. <laughs> I liked Renee Young. Um, so I think Dean Ambrose one hundred percent turns heel on Seth Rollins. Ziggler retains the IC title. Rollins and Ambrose go into a feud, maybe culminates at Survivor Series or the way the WWE books these days, whatever the hell the next pay per view is after SummerSlam. I don't even know what it is. Um, next, I love Randy Orton the heel. Um, and I would like to see Randy Orton get pushed into a program with AJ Styles, assuming Styles retains the title against Samoa Joe. Now, this is an overarching complaint about WWE, which I will make quickly here in the in the um, in the interest of time. Um, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, 
doesn't need the family storyline. Like, this is why New Japan is kind of like why I kind of like it better. Like, just the two guys are unbelievable. They want the belt. Like, that's the story. Do we really need, like, AJ Styles as a bad dad? And Samoa Joe's delivering a great promo. His promos have been awesome, pumping this up. But it's just not necessary. The match is going to be great. I expect AJ to retain. I would love to see Randy Orton back in that heel role. Orton pushed to the main event and have Orton feud with AJ Styles through the fall. I think it would be great. And my last point. And I will issue this caveat before I make it. The video packages on Tuesday Night SmackDown for Daniel Bryan and The Miz were a 10 out of 10. Five stars, awesome. The match is going to be great. Their work leading up to the match has been great. Next sentence, they should have saved it for WrestleMania. They hot-shotted it. That doesn't mean that it hasn't been good and that the match won't be good, but this is a WrestleMania quality feud that could have been the SmackDown world title match at WrestleMania. And because Vince and company are only booking with tomorrow in front of them and they don't have to worry about long-term storylines because their pockets are lined with so much damn cash, they don't care. So they hot-shotted this into SummerSlam. I don't like it. I think the match is going to be good and I like the build, but that is a WrestleMania match and WWE absolutely spit the bit by not waiting and building this a little slower and having the blow off be New York, New Jersey next year, WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan and The Miz. He's got hot takes, folks, and he just might take your girl. He's Nick Costos. Nick, just to let you know, as we were recording this, Chris Jericho tweeted, 2019 is going to be an interesting year. Hashtag free agent Jericho you know I love that you know I love having you back you're probably not gonna like this next statement though what are you doing the rest of the afternoon Nick how would you feel if I told you the record didn't go all the way and cut off about two minutes in um I think that that's probably false so all right, you're good. I, I was unable to entrap you, but we were able to yeah, entrap, entrap you. You would, have, you would have stopped it immediately. I mean, yeah, I, I, but let me ask you also, like, how good was that promo I cut to start? Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was great to have Nick back. It was, it was fantastic. It fired me the heck up. It got me feeling I, things. What on is, the inside. what is wrong with this guy today? It's weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, Silver King. Good promo to great start off. Great promo. Up. Great promo. Brian. I think you scared some of the people outside these glass windows. Uh, screw them. Yeah. They're not important anyway. You have more raw testosterone flowing through your body than an all-male prison. It was friggin' fantastic, Nick. I just feel yeah, like, BC, I feel no like you're teasing the bag a little bit. I feel like you're the father who's not around, and you're going to come back in. None of them daddy pants in you here, but you're going to come back in with shiny gifts for all your kids, the listeners of the ITC. You're going to buy us a tennis racket, and guess what? What you'll never find out, none of us play tennis. We'll see you at <laughs> and, WrestleMania. And, and... Wow. I didn't think it would happen, but Nick Costos graced this podcast with his presence. Who knows, like Brock Lesnar, it will be the last time. But if you're looking at him for something consistent, that'll be there for you every single day when you wake up. If you're hoping it's going to be Nick Costos, you better hope he swipes you right on Tinder. But if you want the best highlights and the biggest sports stories, right in your in-hole I already told you where to go, folks. It's the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. You already know about HQ, our live 24-7 streaming network, giving you all kinds of great stuff to your phone, tablet, TV. You can watch BC tell you about the big fights that are coming up. Now I want you to get that in your inbox in the morning. All the big stuff you need to know before you head out to work. You want to you sound like you know what you're talking about, right? It's packed with all the good stuff. Go to cbssports.com slash HQ. Q daily to subscribe. Tell them BC sent you. You can watch videos of me telling you how good UFC's second half of 2018 is looking to be. 
and all the big boxing matches, all the Nick Costos you can handle. If you can't listen to him on this show, you might as well watch the handsome man on the screen. Go get that done. But Adam, I want to transition into arguably with the G1 now behind us so I can lower my uh, my expectations of, of feel spottery, if that's not gross enough. Uh, the biggest card of the weekend that I care about, I said it, Sunday night may be a party, but Saturday night I am prepared to get down. All night long. And that means... In the Barclays Center for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn Part 4. You will not be joining me for this TakeOver, but I know you'll be watching. Tell me right now, five matches on the card, how it looks right now. Are you fired up that this plane, which is the NXT brand, can keep going higher? Can they raise the roof again with the card they have on paper here, Silver King? They can. And to keep the, you know, milk of Marknesia flowing here, that's why I kind of, you know, suggested we do it ahead of SummerSlam, because let's be honest, SummerSlam and WWE, they got to catch up to what NXT is delivering on a month by month or not month by month, but five time a year basis with these takeovers. You know, I was upset that I'm not going to Brooklyn for SummerSlam. Um, I, I was really anticipating some of the matches on the SummerSlam card that we're getting, including a possible Ronda Rousey title win and so on and so forth, things that I really wanted to be there for. And then they came out with this card, and I'm more upset that I'm not going to be in Brooklyn for these matches. And if you look top to bottom, this might be, from a card standpoint, the most stacked NXT card that we have had in terms of matches that we want to see and that can truly deliver. There's been better women's matches in the past. But even Shayna Baszler against Kyrie Sane is a match with the two hottest women, I guess. And I'm saying hottest in terms of ability um, in not the zipper sound effect, even though that was fine in NXT today. So top to bottom match one to match five. I'm ready and raring to go. You know, right when you said that, I'm like, oh, here we go. Everything's got to be the best. We always do this on this show. But you know what? You're right. The Baszler saying isn't the best women's one we've ever seen, but it's, I'm still excited. But the other four, really on paper, you can put these up against any. And that's crazy considering we're coming off of, by the way, the TakeOver Mania show, which you thought was the best TakeOver. At the time, I thought it was. I thought they one-upped it for Chicago in June. And it, at worst, what is that, the second or third or fourth best? I mean, we're on a right. hell of a run. January, we saw maybe the best NXT match of all time when Gargano and Ale- no Gargano and Almas, I'm sorry, in Philadelphia at the Rumble weekend. So they're on such a roll. And you know what, Silver King, I got to give it to you. These four matches on paper are friggin' fantastic, not just from storyline build, not just from potential for great matches, but guy we want to see versus guy we want to see. Exactly. Damn this roster right now. 2018, the year of Nick Costos' Lord and our Lord the same, or depending on where you stand on that. Whoever Lord you're talking about, there's some real names on the in this in this in this promotion, this territory, whatever. Man, this is one of those times that you want a snapshot, you want to freeze time, you want to put it in a bottle, you want to see because uh, I, I think a lot of these guys are going to be jumping ship eventually. Let's see what we got here on Saturday. You, do, do we know if there's going to be any? Um, that way they don't do pre-show matches. The pre-show matches are next week's NXT telecast. So we're just sticking with these five, right? What do we got here? A two-hour show? Three-hour show? No, no. I mean, look, they. I think they just did a five-match card that was three and a half hours the last show. So they're not 
you know, previously NXT TakeOver was like two and a half hours. They, it was hot. They got in, got out, whatever, because there's not a lot of extraneous stuff. They have four or five matches and you're good to go. But the matches are so good that putting a 10-minute time limit on Velveteen Dream EC3 seems like a complete waste. Like, why Like why would you do that when you, they can get 12 to 15, right? So, I don't know, man. I'm expecting three, three and a half hours. And don't forget, it's going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern now. All shows, both NXT TakeOver and WWE Pay-Per-View, start at 7. So now they have that flexibility to go to 10.30 and give you a three and a half hour show, and you're not going to feel like yeah. it's too late. And you know when I am not excited about a main roster Pay-Per-View match, I'm like, just give me four hot minutes and get out of the ring. Uh, with only five matches on this card, and considering we're coming off a stretch where the really good NJPW matches, not the 30-minute time limit ones in the tournament, but the really good main event ones are guaranteed these days are going 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. You know what? Give me 40 hot minutes. Uh, <laughs> Champa, Gargano, Adam yeah. Cole, Ricochet, etc. And by the way, I did ask Booker T his thoughts on you know, a five-card match only. It's all about the five. You understand? You know what I mean? It's all about the five. I play that as a joke, but I play that to ask you this, Adam. We've seen it both ways. We're going to see it Sunday night with like 14 matches total or 13, whatever you got. We've seen this run of five at a time for things like SummerSlam and WrestleMania. Which would you prefer? Five that you know are going to get the time and you know the build would have been handled so great. And I know that's unrealistic in a modern era of two giant brands like Raw and SmackDown to only have five matches. But would you prefer five and giving them the time or 14 and and some of these are, uh, you know, popcorn? It, it's a tough spot because WWE is really forced into they have so many people on their roster. So to leave off 75 percent of the roster, let's say to have six matches on a, on a card, it's impossible. It's almost insane to do that. But I, I do think 13 is too much. I think there's a happy medium. I think on the biggest shows, so the big five, let's call them, you need to have eight, nine matches, right? And, and you give them the time and the space and the promo packages ahead of them to sell the matches and sell how important they are. And you make it mean something to be on one of those cards. Because right now, you literally have the guy who challenged for the WWE Championship last month on a kickoff show match in a mixed tag team match <laughs> for SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. Okay? So there's no good... Now, if you want to throw some matches on the pre-show, we're, don't forget, we are counting the pre-show in this match thing. So I think there's two kickoff show matches. So there's really only 11 on the SummerSlam card and two on the kickoff show. But for me, throw three or four matches on the kickoff show. Fine. But on the main card where you want to dedicate time and storytelling to these big matches, supposedly, and big storylines, you don't need more than eight. And you can do great things. Not every title always needs to be defended as long as you have Universal, WWE, the two women's, Intercontinental. Everything else, you mix and match depending on the paper. Yeah, yeah. Just to close on that, I, I would like to see the less is more idea because I like I would like it if it meant something that you were in a feud that was big enough to get to the main roster and if the question is what do you do with everybody else I wouldn't mind for the big five having a Friday night show I know that's more wrestling but have a Friday night get you excited show with the mid to lower storyline Saturday night NXT and then hey you got to make it to Sunday you want to be a star you got to be in something that matters you got to be on Sunday but whatever that's another story for another day let's start with that women's match the championship the champion, Shanna Baszler, against Kyrie Sane. Essentially, Sane got into this feud, what, by coming to the rescue of uh, Dakota Kai? Did I, did I say that correctly? 
Basically, um, you know, there's the long-stemming feud coming from the Mae Young Classic, the first one, where Kyrie beat Shayna Baszler, you know, in the finals to win. So she obviously does have that claim over Baszler. Um, the question really is, you know, Baszler's held the title for five months now, and I think she's she's not, even though she's held it for five months, she's not even in the record books in terms of longest reigning women's champions because you have Asuka who held it for a while and a lot of other women's champions actually had pretty long reigns in NXT. So the question is, if you take the title off her, maybe you get a rematch out of it, right? That would be at Survivor Series. But then she's done. So it doesn't make any sense for Kyrie Sane to win the title here. No, no, I don't I don't think it, it makes that sense either. I think you really got to continue to establish Shayna Baszler's dominance for a very strategic reason. For when you turn Ronda Rousey heel on the main roster and Baszler is going to be really the perfect muscle for her. She's going to be the perfect Diesel, Drew McIntyre, on and on that perfect role of, of, of the muscle by her side. When they do that, it's going to be awesome. Keep everything Baszler touches, by the way, is it really, I mean, name somebody who's adjusted this quickly to it, to, to going from another sport into pro wrestling. Very few, maybe Ronda Rousey, very few have been able to do it. Right. I mean, she's really quietly doing a great job. I like saying, I liked her more coming out of the May young a year ago. I don't think they've really done anything with her in that time. Uh, you know, they've established that she's a little quirky. She's got a great finisher, but I don't want to see her with the belt. I don't know. I like NXT title reigns to mean something because it reminds me of the old days when title changes did mean something. When somebody could be defined by a certain two-year era or three-year era where the brand could be defined by that person on top. So let's do that. Let's stick with Baszler tapping everyone out. No, I'm sorry. Not tapping them out. Putting MFers to sleep. All right? Absolutely. She, I mean, let's not forget that she did have an independent wrestling career. It was short, but she did have one before WWE. So she was trained there. She trained at the Performance Center. It's not like she got thrown in like Rousey and is already performing at this level. So the comparison I would make is, yeah, Rousey. Who else? Ronda Rousey, who had a 4.5 or whatever star match in her first match ever at WrestleMania, right? Granted, she was working with Triple H and Kurt Angle still. Um, But yeah, I agree. I I think it doesn't make much sense to take the title off Baszler when you're still really establishing her as dominant. And Sane is so small that it's... Believable, Rey Mysterio's one, you know, against bigger guys. Daniel Bryan has two, but against someone like Baszler, who's just murking fools, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me to change it. And I would like to see the challenger, whoever they end up having, take the title from her, be built up more than just saving someone else. Like even Nikki, the Nikki Cross match, she just kind of got a match. Where had that happened three months earlier, when Nikki Cross was really getting built up into like this dangerous person to take the title. It would have really meant something to me. Okay, let's move on to what I think will be the opening match of the show. Velveteen Dream. I should have said that right. Velveteen Dream against EC3. BC, you know how I feel about Velveteen Dream. I don't love the fact that he always seems to lose. Does he finally get his big win against EC3? I'll answer that in a second. But we can't go any further without talking about last week's NXT episode and that little pool vignette sort of (laughs) moment, which... I, I saw people react on Twitter before I got a chance to watch it, so I was sort of Don't jaded tell me you liked it. by their Don't commentary. Tell me you liked it. Well, everyone's response was ultimately this. That was so cheesy, almost late 70s porn, yet I absolutely loved it. 
And I'll say this. The first half, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. It's so weird. Are they going to make out? What is happening right now? Not that that's, you know, out of the realm of life possibility that they would make out, and that's totally fine. Disclaimer ended. What I'm trying to say is it was just weird. It just didn't seem right. But then by the end, I liked that NXT tried this. Did it work? No, it didn't really work. But I like that they tried it. I actually like that they both had those sunglasses with the reflection, and it was sort of like really cool the way it was shot. This doesn't really play that much into the storyline. It's sort of just a a talking point, but I have to assume you hated it, knowing you. Knowing you, Adam. I didn't hate the concept, but the execution was so awful. It makes you wonder what was on the cutting room floor here. (laughs) EC3, he, he convinces him to sit down. He sits down for five seconds. Let's take a walk. <laughs> what? And then, like, he drops his glasses, at, and the, the, the payoff is that it gets thrown into the pool. Like, really? And they try to make it like they're at some, you know, amazing place where Velveteen Dream lives, and it's an apartment complex that looks like my college, like, apartments and the pool that we used to lay out in front of. So <laughs> I what think the that's hell where, was uh... that? I'm sure that's where some of the wrestlers live. And isn't that where they did those Oscar, those really cool pool Oscar scenes? It, she was kind of hot in that suit. Did I say hot? Yeah, I meant I, that. Yeah, I meant it. She's kind of sneaky hot in that suit. Suited, suited Oscar's hot. Um, yeah. Yes, I'm sure some of them do live there. But if you're trying to film on location, you pick a better effing location than that. It just, uh, it didn't make any sense. I liked the effort, but holy crap, execution. Yeah, and I love the break. joke about the three foot of water. I don't know. It just it gave me a weird ending. I like parts of it. I like that they tried. Whatever. Should he win? Yes. It's time for him to get a big win. EC3 certainly can absorb a loss here. Um, I like the way these guys working on the mic and in, in some of the stuff they've done in the build. Both are really confident in EC. You know, it's really two heels in, in, in theory here going against each other, and it would advance the winner up at least into like a North American title feud, you'd think. So, yeah, it's time for Dream to do that. You know, and really you could do that against either Cole and Ricochet coming out of that match that we're going to talk about in a second. But let's see him win, and let's see a really good match here. Look, EC3 can work. I mean, he's not a he's not a four-and-a-half, five-star guy, but he's better than like a Bobby Roode. I mean, he can work. He can do some things. He's got a great look. Let's further both of their characters. There's not a ton to say storyline-wise, but if this is the opener, heck yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely should open the card, and I totally agree, obviously, because I posed the question. Velveteen Dream needs to win this match. It will not hurt EC3 one iota for him to lose, because if you're a guy like him, a character like him, you easily brush off losses. They don't mean anything, but if you're Velveteen Dream, and you can't win a freaking match, a singles match, against anyone that you claim to be better than, well, you look like an idiot, right? So he needs to win, and I'm not going to make the prediction that EC3 winds up on a main roster show Monday or Tuesday night, but I think he gets called up before almost anyone else on the remainder of this card. I do not think he's long for NXT. I kind of like him to get called up and really replace Bobby Roode. And that's kind of mean. And it's like, and again, we've had this Bobby Roode talk so many times, but like, he's just not going in the right direction. He's certainly not awful. He's awful as a face in this certain character. I mean, could he be a, a, a heel in a faction? Certainly. But what they're doing with him, Every time he comes on the screen, I'm like, oh, it, I feel like the rent's lowered. Let EC3 become that and become the, the cocky heel and just take over his spot. I wouldn't be against that. What you do is you put EC3 on Raw in the Bobby Roode spot. You move Bobby Roode to SmackDown and reintroduce him as a heel. And you're all set. That's all you need to do. I'd kind of, 
because I he can't really he's one of those guys I, he couldn't really go back down to NXT wouldn't get me that excited I I kind of want him to be gone is that mean I mean unless you're gonna put him in a faction or a tag no team. they've ru- they've ruined him they've see ruined it's him. not that it's him it's that they took this great heel suited guy right really cocky and they just turned him into a catchphrase I hate it, that. I hate it they really ruined him like we talk about them ruining Finn Balor and all these other guys and. Okay, maybe they haven't ruined Finn, but we just don't like what they're doing with him. They ruined Bobby Roode. It just legitimately. Makes so, it makes me so upset. I got to move on. All right. Okay. What do we got next? Well, let's move on to something that we're talking potential five-star match here. NXT Tag Team Championship. Undisputed Era defending against Mustache Mountain. We've seen two title changes in the last couple of months between these two. Both incredible matches. One in the United Kingdom, another back in the States. And that match ended with Tyler Bate throwing in the towel for Trent Seven. Not even a pinfall or submission victory for Undisputed Era. Do you see a third title change here coming? Or is Undisputed Era continue and carry on with what they're doing? The cool thing is that either way it works, and either way you can build a strong case why each side could work. And look, the the larger story for me here is that, man, NXT TakeOvers know how to do tag title matches. And I almost wish I had printed out a a run of every tag title match on every takeover. And we just read them in a row because Adam, there's been an incredible run. And it's not only the, the natural match style of seeing like the revival against DIY or seeing before that American alpha and revival, which a lot of people forget about. And the revival guys always tell me, I forget about when I bring up the DIY feud to them, but those matches have been great. The the triple threat tag team championship ones with the tables and, and using AOP have been amazing. This is back to more of a natural match. I can't believe how emotionally invested they got me in that NXT match, the one that ran on regular TV that they lost the title. And if they can bring back this throw in the title theme and keep it going, I'm going to be fired up. A babyface pop for the mustache guys would be great. But if I have to pick, you got to keep it on Undisputed Era. This 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 heel faction is so good. And obviously heel factions are better when they have belts and they have multiple belts in them. I'm just expecting Finals. magic. Uh, titles, waistbands, whatever you want to call them. I'm expecting magic here, and and you got to give it credit because although the tag team, the idea of tag team wrestling certainly on the main roster has seen a renaissance from guys like the Usos, New Day, last couple of years, been you know the the bar. It's been really fun and great. I prefer the NXT tag team style because it's more of a derivative of the '80s Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, build the heat, hot tags, or basic style. And it just gets you so emotionally invested. The guys today, Usos and all of them, they do know how to work the last two minutes of a match to magic levels with the mayhem, all four guys in the ring, uh, kickouts, pulling the referee out, all that great stuff. But I'll take the NXT style every day of the week. Well, I think that's an unfair comparison. I mean, the match style of WWE simply is different. But when you look at the matches that have been held between New Day, Usos, The Bar, any combination, but particularly the first two I mentioned, there's, they're not that different from a stylistic perspective. I mean, it's just different workers. It's different people. That's all it is. Um, so for me, I, I, I think that's a little bit unfair. That said, your point about NXT tag team matches, particularly on takeovers, is well taken. We're forgetting the – I don't even remember if it was a TLC match or the Extreme Rules match. But with DIY, the Revival, and AOP that we saw live that I lost my shit, I'll just say it, for because – well, we're not forgetting because I mentioned it. I did mention it. I mentioned tables and AOP, but that, we're not forgetting it. It was did fantastic. You? Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you just mentioned the uh, revival DIY match. Um, regardless, it's every single takeover, even last one with Oni Lorkin and who's the other dude? 
Oh, Danny Birch? Like, I had no desire to see that match. I crapped all over it before. And still, it, it shocked me how amazing it was. So, uh, Undisputed Era is fantastic. Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly, this current formation of the tag team, is great. But they have to retain. Mustache Mountain, they got the NXT UK show to do. Give them those tag team titles. Fair. Let them work over there. Keep it on Undisputed By the way, just Era. to close, you said there's no difference in the style. This is the difference in the main roster and NXT tag style. Main roster, more about athleticism, which is fine. NXT more about the story and the emotion of the crowd. And I, sh- I shouldn't have said the style's uh, not different. What I, what I meant to say is it's not necessarily worse in WWE no. as long as you have teams that are out there to give you a good match. So when you have New Day Usos, you're going to get a great match. It doesn't matter what the style is. That's all I was really trying to say. Fair. Roll on with the North American NXT Championship, Adam Cole, the champion against Ricochet. And this is star versus star. This is a sexy matchup. It's really, really has that star potential too, in terms of being a great match, four and a half star potential. Uh, I think you could easily make a case here that Ricochet being the, I think of the two, the the one with the bigger long-term star potential to put the belt on him now, and really set up the continuation of that Ricochet Velveteen Dream feud that we got a little taste of. And I think we got a little taste of for a reason. They wanted to really yes. kind of test it out, see what they got there. And just the same, look, I could see Cole and Ricochet feuding into another takeover, certainly. So either way, it's strong. Adam Cole, man, every time hey, I want to doubt him for, for his size, he reminds you that he's one of the best on the microphone in the whole damn company. He's one of the best on just being really cool and just, you know, whether it's in an interview with you journalistically or an interview on the screen and he can really work too. I love everything about this match. I kind of forgot what, how it started and what the whole theme was, but I did see on last week's NXT episode that the Undisputed Era took out Ricochet on his entrance. So that sort of adds extra flavor to it. Yeah. It's basically more just a challenge. Like he was the next contender. He beat Velveteen Dream. So he stepped up and said, Hey, you know, I want this title. That's really all there was to it. Um, I think the loser of this match, assuming that the finish is clean or semi-clean, um, I think the loser of this match moves on as the next NXT championship contender. The question is, we don't know what's going to play out in that situation, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And because we don't know how that's going to play out, it's very difficult to predict a winner here. If you were going to tell me that a face was going to wind up with the title, then I could see Ricochet taking it and Adam Cole stepping up as a challenger. But if that doesn't happen, I don't necessarily know that it's necessary to take the – I don't necessarily know that it's necessary. I don't necessarily know that it's worth taking the title off Cole at this juncture. And I think Ricochet has won enough since debuting that a loss doesn't necessarily hurt him. So I'm conflicted here. If I had to go with a prediction, it would probably be Ricochet for the – Title change, opportunity. I don't know necessarily that we're going to see another one on the card. Um, But other than that, I'm really juiced for this match. More so after talking to Ricochet, interviewed him this week for CBSSports.com. Wait, did you talk to Ricochet? Oh, sorry. I I didn't know you had more. Go ahead. I was going to say, he's the type of guy who would do well with this title. Did you ask him at all about the hashtag urban speak? Because he's one of the best deliverers (laughs) of, of of that way of speaking. No. All right. Well, there's that. Hey, let's roll on here, Adam. And we're rolling on to what has to be the main event. It's for the NXT Championship. It's been a friggin' epic build. Before we get to the great, I want to post to you an Adam Silverstein-like comment. 
Did they screw up here? We know that Aleister Black got hurt. It's not going to be a triple threat. They worked that into the storyline in a WWE.com exclusive video in which he was attacked in the parking lot. Well done on all that. My beef, though, Adam, my black lining on the silver cloud, if you will, why does this need to be a last man standing match between champion Tommaso Ciampa and challenger Johnny Gargano when we've already seen essentially two versions of that? We've seen them at their most violent. I want to see a match, a traditional match for the title here that is about wrestling and see what they can do under that guys in that genre. They've done great with the violence and the weapons. Why are we doing a last man standing match here? Well, a couple things. Last man standing is not the same as the other ones. Yes, there's both no disqualification stipulations in them, but last man standing is literally about not standing, not rising to the 10 count as opposed to a pinfall or submission. So by that factor, it's different. My guess is the reason that we have the stipulation is purely based on the finish of the match that they want to provide. If it was going to be a clean finish in some way, that's how you blow off the feud, right? The, the end of the feud needs to be Johnny Gargano pinning Tommaso Ciampa to win the NXT championship. Now, it's my contention they want to save that for WrestleMania weekend. I'm guessing. Maybe Royal Rumble weekend, okay? But they were not ready to do that here. So because of that, they either need to find a way for Gargano to win and it not be clean where Champa can still be a challenger, or for Champa to retain and for it not to look like Gargano got beat again clean in the middle of the ring by Champa. It what bothers me is that they lost Alistair Black from this match. And rather than just replace him with someone deserving and, and having that happen, right? They're just going to this one-on-one match that they were clearly trying to save. And it bothers me now that we're seeing the third version of this in such a short period of time, where if you just compare it to Omega Okada, right, just as an example, those four matches were spread out over vastly different events and over basically a two-year period. This, we're getting it hot shot together in like six months, where we're, seven months, where we're seeing them fight three times. And we're expecting now a fourth. That's my issue with it. I wish they had gotten a little bit more creative and done a different type of match if you throw Keith Lee in there, debut Matt Riddle and throw him into the match, whatever, just do something unique to, and maybe not put this in the main event if that's the case. Yeah, maybe, you maybe almost the, need a smudge finish and not have, or, or or somebody gets attacked before the show even starts and you got to do a last minute thing that makes it the co-main event. It's interesting what this all does, and I think you're right on, by the way, about the they have plans for Gargano to finally win clean down the road in a big moment. WrestleMania weekend would be great. It puts a lot of pressure on them to have a new wrinkle in the storyline that maybe they didn't already have ready. And look, inserting black was fun when he took out Gargano two NXT episodes ago in the middle of the ring is sort of as a payback. You cost me the title. It was great. I just don't know what they have for us. I don't think they have a co-main. I mean, they have co-mains that, could carry a show, but could, would it would it feel right if Cole Ricochet was bumped up to the last to the main event at the last minute? I mean, there's just this is one of those where the five match setup does kind of hurt you. Where if they had ten matches on here, you could have one of Gargano or Champa get not you know beaten down beforehand. But in terms of this is the match we're going to get if we're going to see it happen. What's going to happen? The Gargano crazy part has to play into this. The hook here. He's got the beard. He's just being crazy. He's running in at all costs. Will we see his wife? turn on him essentially because he's being too crazy and that will be the wrinkle that leads to his redemption and comeback and all that and winning the belt from Champa. I'm not really sure. 
But if we end up seeing Champa and Mrs. Johnny wrestling arm in arm and maybe making out after the match and they join forces for a couple months. <laughs> I mean, it's a little spicy, but uh, I, the thing that's cool right now about trips in NXT is you can't put it past them. They know yeah. what the heck they're doing. I think that they can cook up something really fun here. I think they could do it. And I'm sure that by going with the stipulation and deciding to do the one-on-one match, they have something in their plans. For all we know, they may blow it off here and say, you know what? Our plans got ruined. Let's give them the match, the final match that we were going to give them. And maybe they had last man standing planned, and that's what they're doing. How I would have booked it, if the Silver King had the spiral notebook and the hat, I opened the show with a fatal five-way, fatal four-way, number one contenders match, basically, to get Aleister Black's spot in the championship match. Put them in. They're tired. They can take the fall from whoever you want to go over. You proceed as you were going to do. That's what the Silver King would have done. Now that we have what we have, I think Champa has to retain the title. I think you have to go to a fourth match in the series. It needs to be a clean one-on-one match. Gargano then takes the championship. Otherwise, I don't know what they're doing here. And if they're not going to do that, then Gargano wins the title here and Champa goes to 205 Live. I don't know. Like, what's next? Uh, yeah, you're right. You can't cash in Johnny winning it yet because Tommaso's doing too good as a, as a heel champion. I could never thought I could it could be believable to me that he could be the the singular champion of the of the promotion and it not be gimmicky but he's doing it he's badass he's calling himself the best sports t- entertainer ever i mean it's great to see what he's doing yeah you got to keep the belt on him one more time and the cool thing is if they really win us over with a cool storyline turn man this is really it's just another chapter in what's going to become one of the greatest rivalries of this decade really Stop the presses right now. What's the best WWE rivalry of this decade? We're eight years oh. in. What is it? Is it Daniel Bryan versus the McMahons? I mean, what? I mean, there's been some really good ones. The uh, you know involving the Shield and, and and Rollins turning. I mean, there's been some certainly some great ones. But has there been a standout one where you're like, oh, that one's definitely it? I mean, was Roxena was this decade, right? I was going to say Roxena. That that's basically where I was going. There and, and when you oh, consider Charlotte, that Charlotte and Sasha. Yeah, but even then, we're not since they've been on main roster, we did get a nice feud, but it it wasn't the same intensity level, right? It just wasn't. Roxena it was it for me because it was two years it was pre-planned and, and they put it together properly by having Rock win, then take the title, and then Cena beat him and win the title and pay it all off. But they really haven't had one that gets the juices flowing. And we'll talk about Miz, Daniel Bryan in a minute, you know, later in the show. We already touched on it, obviously. Um, but there really hasn't been I mean, one. Punk, this has that opportunity. Punk have a singular? I mean, Punk didn't really have a singular. Punk Cena was pretty good. I mean, certainly that's probably the most high, the highest profile. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Brock Lesnar, Undertaker, I don't know. I don't know. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns is probably in the end going to end up winning us over. Seth Rollins, Triple H was okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll stand by, I'll stand by that. Uh, but you know, K- the, KO, the pro- Sammy, but these are all sort of step the problem, down. The, 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 the problem that we cannot just immediately pick one, that's all you need to know. That's the problem, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, that's a fair The point. fact that we can't pick one is the problem. Whereas, hey, what's the defining NJPW rivalry over the last? Omega Okada. Yeah, or that's Okada what, that's Tanahashi, WWE or yeah, you got to, you got to, yeah. Dead Actually, next. I have the answer for you. New Day Usos. Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's in the conversation. I don't think it escalates above a singles feud. Man, I, by the way, it's Sasha and Becky are in the top three of this decade. When you combine NXT with that hot 2016 main roster one, when they actually cared for a while about women's wrestling on the main yeah. roster on the level that they make you think they do. 
damn good. Damn, I, I still stand by the Hell in a Cell match. I don't know why people ripped that match. I know it was a little sloppy at the end. They didn't break the table. But those girls went for it. And those Raw matches they had leading up to that, those title, all the title changes, I'm still getting fired up. Okay. I am too. Let's move on to WWE SummerSlam. Again, we mentioned it. It's a 13-match card, at least as it stands today. They may add another match. Who the hell knows? It's 13 matches. It's actually 14 segments. And we'll get to that in a minute. We're not going to spend too much time going down most of these opening matches. But we're going to give some quick takes on them. So, BC, there's two kickoff show matches. The first one, Rusev and Lana against Andre, Andre, Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega. What role do you think Aiden English is going to play in this match? Um, yeah, he's going to play a role. It's interesting. Um, it's very interesting. Did you get any feels in the go home on SmackDown from Vega's promo and also uh, of saying that Lana is, uh, you know, essentially, I forgot what the wording was, but that Lana's getting in the way of Rusev. Did you get any feels that, that they could shock us with a Rusev heel turn and a tag team with Rusev and Almas with Vega in front of it and then L- Lana falling back with uh, with English? Did, or am I making that up? Well, they're literally married, and that's been the, you know, deal on TV, too. They're not hiding it, so no. I don't see him leaving his wife for Zelina Vega. He nor, said that for a second, Rumble. Like, nor would I. Me? Nor would I leave Lana for Zelina Vega. No, no and offense. Rusev's too hot as a singles guy to make them a tag team. But it was that was interesting there. But let's not also forget that, and I'm, I've mentioned this the last couple of weeks. Rusev goes heel face heel weekly, like he's a face in this again, and he's a face in a kickoff show match one month after being a heel in a WWE Championship match. Like they just can't figure out what the hell to do with this guy. I think this one's clear though. Almas wins continues his ascent, moves past this, hopefully into a U.S. See, title. Feed, I don't right? think it's that clear because, first of all, I like that it's a mixed tag match. It's saving the the idea of this feud because now I actually want to see this match on the, on the kickoff show. It's a pretty good kickoff show match. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that we've seen uh, Aiden English bumble and stumble and cost them lately, and we've seen him on the outs. This is the time because they know the pop that Rusev and Lana gets this is the time to have him help them win because, look, I almost can avoid a kickoff show loss to a hot Rusev. I think English plays a part in helping Rusev win, and we get a we get a positive babyface moment. SummerSlam in historically is more about positive babyface mountaintop moments than it is everything else. I just make that's a general blanket statement. If you're going to ask me to support my answers, I don't know if I have got a lineage ready to give you because we did see Brock Lesnar cut open Randy Orton's forehead two two years ago and with a really weird ending. But I feel like this is going to be one of those good times moments. It's actually a good point you make because really the payoff for Rusev English splitting up is zero. Like them having one match Rusev winning. What does that do for anyone, right? It doesn't actually make sense. So teasing it and giving the baby face payoff of Aiden English actually helping and maybe you have Lana pin Vega that way it doesn't hurt Almas that would be a nice finish to it and I'm down for that I'm with you here's something that I think we might disagree on cruiserweight championship Cedric Alexander defending against Drew Gulak on the kickoff show Cedric Alexander is the longest reigning cruiserweight champion since Neville obviously and the second longest reigning since they brought the title back obviously how does it end does his reign end on Sunday this is where I got to be honest with people and say uh, the G1 has taken over my summer and taken over my life. And 205 Live, along with Impact Wrestling on my DVR, has has hurt because of that. I have not watched in recent weeks. I like Drew Gulak so much that if a title change happened here, I'd be down for it. But I'm not even really down with the specifics of this feud. Are you, Adam? Uh, he won a number, number one contendership, and he's a heel. 
I mean, that's really all that's going on. But obviously, 205 Live does a fine job telling the story. I'm just trying to give you the basics. There's nothing special to it, necessarily. Well, as long as Buddy Murphy ends up with the belt and gets a big push, I'll be happy here. It doesn't feel like time to take it off of Alexander, because if if Murphy the heel is going to win it, I'd like to see him go over him. So I think Cedric hangs on. But, hey, give me eight really hot minutes on that undercard, and let's see what happens. It's tough because I actually want to go ahead and predict that Gulak's going to win the title. And it's nothing against Alexander, but as a face, he just seems better working from under than actually with the championship. And I'm glad they gave him the run. We both are. If you have the clip, I mean, you know I love that song, Feel Free. Um, But that's my man, right? So I'm glad he got his run, but it kind of seems like they need to move past him into some other people. In the dark, I feel it. That's so good. And they cut Big that. Dog, yes. And you know what? You know what? Ever since they cut that from his actual opening theme, screw WWE for that. I, I hate when they mess with entrance music. That is perfectly fine. Okay. Let's move off this kickoff show, BC, and into what better be the first match of the SummerSlam card. Finn Balor, def- uh, not defending, just fighting. Baron Corbin, have they done anything to make you care about this feud? No. No, they haven't. Finn's toiling in this. I, I do like what's become of this constable baron corbin character i think they're they're overachieving to a degree because i had very small hopes for it him wrestling in a uh server's outfit from tgi fridays is interesting uh it's (laughs) he's pulling it off somehow he doesn't need a push of any kind because that role is so hated it's gotta go to finn balor or they really hate finn balor and my plea to you ferg from two weeks ago about joining the revolution. There's plenty of uh, plenty of room for you to come back and be the, the, the pinnacle of who you really are. And that's Prince Devitt, brother. That's who you are deep inside of your soul. You know yourself. I know yourself. Hey, dude, guess what? You're the first universal champion in history. You had a really good documentary on the network about coming back from injury. You're a really nice guy and probably the best abs in all of wrestling. But we need you in the great war on the revolution side. We don't need you fighting some constable at 7 p.m. Eastern on SummerSlam. Bro, you should be in the damn main event. You should be fighting Lesnar right now or Styles or Cena or something that matters. Come where you're loved and accepted. Come where the water is warm. Be all in with me. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. Yes, Finn it's like Bal- the show. It's like the show turns into a propaganda piece. Sometimes it's really ridiculous. He's perfectly fine in WWE. He's doing a good job in the role, the awful role that they're giving him. I'm sure that he is not thrilled with his placement on the card, nor should he be. But come the f on, man. Okay, they thought enough of him to make him the universal champion. The universe, the first universal champion. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, I understand. And he got injured and was out for nearly an entire year. And now they're on the stupid effing. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar kick. All the guy needs to do is get moved over to Tuesday nights or they just got to get the damn title off Lesnar and allow people to actually challenge for it beside, that aren't you know, 6'8", 300 pounds like Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe. They just need to give people opportunities here. He's fine, okay? His gimmick, what they've done with him over the last six months, however long, really since October, since last Halloween, awful. Just By the way, we're pathetic. so lucky that— we're so lucky that Bray got sick because if he would have come out as pumpkin demon over 
career over. A career over. And his yeah. career probably is over because he had to die so that Glenn Jacobs could become mayor of Knox County. Let's remember, in the year of Nick Costos' Lord, 2018, 50-year-old Kane was in a major five pay-per-view co-main event WWE Universal Championship match. That's gotta be, that's gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. And not, and not only did they put him in that match, and pull Finn Balor from what Dave Meltzer reported was the scheduled match, but they put him over Finn Balor to get there. That's the effing problem. And whatever. Vince is doing seemingly burying this guy. Maybe he was like, was Vince offended that he got injured in his title ma- title win? Like what the hell? It just doesn't make sense. The smiling gimmick is awful. I've gone over that a million times, but that all of that said, he's still on this card and they're still oh, don't give me featuring that. him. No, what I'm explaining is if, if they're not treating him like Bobby Roode, they're still ensuring that he's on Monday night raw every single Monday. And they're still ensuring that he's on every pay-per-view. So that says to me, we just don't have anything for this guy because our other programs are taken up by other things, but we still want to keep him around and relevant because we have some type of plan. He has to win. He has to go. All right. WWE fans, if you're listening in this corner, listeners, if you're listening, Finn Balor, Fergal Devitt, if you're listening, Vince McMahon doesn't care about you. In fact, he hates you and your family. (laughs) I got a question for you. Is Paul Bear? Telling the truth when he says that your mother was a whore. I mean, that's foul. That's just ridiculous. But it's true. Finn Balor, if he wins this, then he's got a prayer of doing anything in the rest of his WWE career. If he loses it, then let's get Meltzer on the horn and let's find out his contract situation. Meet me in Chicago, Ferg, (laughs) September 1st. Let's move on. I can't do this. Give me four hot minutes. Get out of here. Um, okay, moving on. Raw Tag Team Championship, the B Team, against the Revival. I mean, look, Raw Tag Team picture compared to SmackDown is just crap, let's be honest. Um, I want to give a shout-out to the Revival. Since we're really combining our Raw and SmackDown recaps along with this preview, I want to give a shout-out to the Revi- Revival for doing the tribute to the Heart Foundation, the Heart Attack move um, on Raw. I would love it. I know that the Shadow Machine is their finisher. I'd love it if they worked it into this match and into a title win. That would be really cool. Um, would it be a waste for B team to lose at this point, BC after WWE has legitimately spent some time building this team up? Or is it really just saying, Hey, look, they did a good job with the transition team. Let's put the titles on the revival and see what actually happens here. Before I answer that, are the deleters of worlds like out of the picture now, or are we just waiting for Matt Hardy to get healthy? Like what the heck just happened? So they lost. So there was the triple threat on Monday night. Uh, they lost that. That was, I guess their, their second rematch, you know, after losing the titles to the B team, they got the one-on-one rematch and lost that as well. So Matt Hardy's been sending some cryptic stuff and, and Bray Wyatt has too. And not cryptic in the way like that it's pure storyline, but Matt's talking about basically his hip fusing with his spine from doing that like leg drop from the top rope his entire career and how he he's almost teasing retirement or at least taking time off. And Bray Wyatt is teasing joining a new group or having some new storyline going forward without Matt. So I think Monday night may have been the last time that we see them as a team the question is, where, what direction are they going? And I don't really know. Well, if the direction that they need to go is to not take bumps for a while and heal, then you got to combine the B team into the overall Hardy family. Turn them heel, make them weird, let the brothers be on screen more often together. 
what this means for their title run right here is interesting. I don't want to see them lose the belts on the kickoff show. And sometimes that doesn't matter. And again, this is summer. No, this is, a, this is a main event, main event uh, regular card, I mean, match. According to Wikipedia, and I trust all things on Wikipedia, this match will take place on the pre-show of the B-team. I did not see that announced Monday. Um, maybe they changed it, or maybe I missed it. So, okay, either way, I'll look while you talk. Go ahead. All right, well, I'll say this. Uh, I don't want to see him lose it on the kickoff show, even if that's SummerSlam. And by the way, last year I was there for the start of the kickoff show at SummerSlam when The Miz, as an intercontinental champion, took part in a tag team match with like seven people in the crowd. So, yeah, it's, it's still derogatory if you're on the kickoff show of anything but WrestleMania. Thank you for that, Diatribe. Uh, I'd like to see Revival end up with the belts eventually, but no, now's not the time. Surely I'd like a next-level storyline turn with Curtis and Bo getting dark and weird. I don't think they have that in them either. So I guess the B-team and their awful song is going to keep winning. Thank so it is, a, it is indeed a kickoff show match. Good call on your part. Uh, I definitely missed that. Because of that, I similarly do not – well, I don't see a title change. What I expect to happen is uh, B-team retains, AOP dominates them, wins the titles, starts their reign, and you go from there because there's really no other tag teams on Raw worth anything unless you happen to think that Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are getting back in the tag team picture, which – talk about bad booking if they just went right back to that. So that is my uh, prediction. Yes, B-team retains. Let's talk about the tag team championship match that will be on the main card for SummerSlam. Uh, that's the SmackDown titles, the blue brand, with Bludgeon Brothers defending – against New Day, and, you know, we got a couple things to touch on. Real quick, I want to ask you, because I know you and I agree on this. How bad did Sanity look Tuesday night on SmackDown? Yeah, they look really bad. Um, they turned around Killian Dane's medieval... I know this is they slowly been changing his, his attire, but they turned him from a medieval killing machine from Northern Ireland into what? Uh, a generic, a generic a fat high school guy. wrestler that AC Slater yeah. would pin on an episode of Say by the Bell, like Needick. He looks like Needick. Like that's what he looks like. Like, are yep. you kidding me? With San, like, first of all, Sanity is a ragtag group of guys that, in character, are probably wanted by the law, and they would probably right. eat your flesh after defeating you. Like, remember when the Wyatt family beat the Brothers of Destruction like three, two years ago and dragged their bodies backstage and then WWE did nothing with that storyline after <laughs> that? You assume when they get dragged back there, they're having their souls eaten like it's Indiana Jones and that dinner with the weird guy who pulls people's hearts out. Yeah, so now you turned him into a guy who's wearing a wrestling singlet with the name of his faction on the back of it. Are you kidding me? I think I know why they did it, because the War Machine War Raiders and NXT are wearing the same exact outfit, and it's weird, but that's weird. I don't mind Alexander Wolf in Iron Sheik's pants, basically, which is what that is, but I, I like that he wears that weird-ass uh, back brace that guys would wear that work in, in like, the docks at, like, a yeah. uh, like a factory, and, like, they're driving that, that forklift. And by the way, I was forklift certified as recently as 2007. I can drive a mean <laughs> forklift, and I used to wear something like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're just about ruined. This is another thank you, Vince. Thank you, whoever we're supposed to think we don't like on that writing staff. You know, yes, maybe it's Road Dog performing Harry Carey on SmackDown again. What the hell is going on here? It, if you're going to put him in wrestling attire, right, why would you choose a singlet for this man? And they, they had a, a, a camera shot of the pinning combination, New Day trying to pin him. Um, Tuesday night and the wedgie was real 
and it was not spectacular. Like, I couldn't believe what I saw. And then you talk about Alexander Wolf, and the guy looks like a clown out yeah. there. Like, between the hair color and the cha- the brighter, not as grungy gear. And then you have, uh, what's his name? Eric Young matching Killian Dane with the blue and red. It almost looked like it was like American flag trunk. This is really sad. You're right. At first I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. This is really sad because they were so hip and edgy. The theme song, the spotlight, everything about that they do, the the smoke coming up. Like with Nikki Cross, they made you believe that like they're really gross people. And you need that in wrestling. And now they're on their way to becoming main roster Tag team jobbers. They really are. They're, 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 they're on, on their, their way. To, they're on their way to becoming the oddities. Yeah, or the social outcasts or whatever. It's like Vince doesn't get them, so let's ruin them. And that's really that's really sad. Because Eric Young, and look, he's not young. He's like in his early forties, and this yeah. is the pinnacle of his career after a run at TNA. He's really good on the mic in this role as the leader, as the brains. You took cross away. Yeah, look, you know what? Give me four hot minutes. Oh, wait, they're not in this match. Sorry. Um, Yeah, this is disappointing. <laughs> now, for this actual match, do I care about it? Yes. And I think because SummerSlam is a time for baby faces to get big cheers, it's time to put the belts back on the New Day. It's time. It's time to put the titles back on the New Day, yeah, because the bludgeon and the rain has lasted long enough. It's gone on since WrestleMania. They never should have had the titles in the first place. Their gimmick's ridiculous. They look ridiculous. And while they're great workers in the ring, I'd much rather have New Day, Usos, Bar, and any other tag teams they want to put together. Perfect truth on SmackDown doing things. Also, if you are going to push Sanity, you need a face champion for them to get that opportunity and play against. Then again, they lose every match they're in, so they don't necessarily have a claim at the titles. But I agree, this is time for New Day to win. Put them back in the title picture. And if you're not going to, keep them together and have them fight singles and get them in the world. When I say world, I mean WWE and United States title picture. Do something with these guys. They're too good just to sit there without titles and with these comic pancake storylines. Okay, this one is not a match, BC, but Elias is going to have a segment where he's going to debut his best song, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Obviously, Bobby Lashley (laughs) is going to be there. I want 10-second answer here. Was it a mistake for them not to have their match on this card? No, because... It wouldn't matter in light of some of these big matches. This is fine. It's it's uh, there's still some juice left in Elias to do these type of gimmicky things, and for me to still care, I do like that they gave him an album and that they did the they're doing these live shows now. They're promoting on Raw that he actually has a show at the yeah. Gramercy Theater, the same theater that uh that Bruce Pritchard and uh, Conrad will have their live show on SummerSlam weekend. Um, so I'm down with that. It's kind of cool. I'm not down with the Lashley. No, 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 no. Keep it, keep it rolling. Okay, that wasn't 10 seconds, but I completely agree. Just no reason to have the match. And it's nice to have always that popcorn segment where you may love Elias, but if you need to take a piss, you know, it's a good segment to leave. All right. Money in the Bank briefcase match, which I think, and I may be wrong historically, I think it's just the second time ever that the briefcase has actually been defended where someone can take it away from the holder, let's call it. Uh, Braun Strowman defending the briefcase against Kevin Owens. The briefcase, I said it's the second time being defended. Obviously, that was one other match. It's never changed hands after being won. Do you think it changes hands here? Do you think WWE corrects what I have said is a massive error by giving it to Braun Strowman in the first place and puts it on heel Kevin Owens? No, I don't think they do. They should should do that. But even just having this match, I think, is a victory for fans. And I think this will open the show, and I think it should open the show. Because when you're in that moment where you're like, okay, what are they coming out with first? And then you hear bronze music. The crowd's going to pop for that. It's going to feel big. You're going to want the winner of this 
to be in play for the whole rest of the show heading into that Brock and Roman match at the end. I think ultimately, you know, and, and, and WWE likes to play it safe. And I think it's a little safe here to have Braun keep it and to have him potentially cash it in at the end of the main event, even though it doesn't seem safe. That seems a little next level, but they've telegraphed their hands so much. I want KO to win it here. I would love that opportunity for him to have even Paul Heyman join his side and for him to walk out as champion and for new things to start here. But no, I will give them credit for having it. And I'm pretty excited to see what happens because Braun and KO haven't always been a home run. I mean, there, there's that weird uh, uh, porta potty situation with the blue goo, but uh, I don't know if like the blue mini was dropped a bomb in there before KO <laughs> got thrown in there. But um, <laughs> some of these, some of this has been okay. Look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm excited about SummerSlam because it's it means something. I'm excited to be there. I'm really excited about four or five of the matches. Most of the matches, I, I don't know if it's G1 Hangover. I put a lot of sweat equity into watching those. I'm not that overall moved on a lot of these storylines. No, I don't think they're going to put it on KO. I wrote down three words next to my notes here. Sneaky good storyline. Because as terrible as the Porta Potty segment was, and as much as I hate the strongman stuff that makes him look, when I say him, I mean Braun Strowman, look like a cartoon character, which I really feel is the direction that they've gone with him. Monster in the bank with that shirt and just him tipping over one thing after another and they're going to run out eventually. Eventually he's going to have to tip over the entire ring. He's going to have to pull it out of its, you know, bolts or, or however it's, you know, <laughs> into the floor and literally tip over the entire ring because they're running out of stuff. And then next is the arena. And then next is WrestleMania Stadium. He has to have it collapse in on itself. So I, that all bothers me. Um, but I think the only thing worse than giving Brock, Brock, Braun, the briefcase, is taking it off of him and weakening him even further than you already have in this cartoon character mode. On the other hand, I hate the fact that you're going to have a guy whose build is like seven feet tall and 300 pounds and whatever – have to use a briefcase to get a title match to win the W uh, to win the universal championship. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm I hate, very, I hate a lot of I'm that very too. conflicted. <laughs> You're right. I hate a lot of that too. And you just kind of brought up an interesting idea that he could lose the case to KO and then block KO's attempt to cash it in at the main event. I mean, there are some ways they could do it that still add elements of fun and, and swerves in this, but you're right. They've pressed pause on Braun. The, real, the main problem here is they've pressed pause on Braun's rise. And his rise was really hot coming off of the Reigns feud and all the physical feats he was doing. He had that cup of coffee against Lesnar. He, he was going big here. The reality is here, Adam, this should be Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar in a singles match that sees him go over uh, to win the championship. No, it shouldn't be. It should be Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns in a singles match for the Universal Championship because well, Roman Reigns should have won the damn title well, we're gonna get either that at this WrestleMania fall. or the Greatest Royal Rumble. Spoiler, we're going to get that this fall. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's. Braun's going to win this. Roll on. I, 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 I want to make the prediction. I, oh, man. I'm going to go with KO just to be contrarian to you. I'm going to go with him winning. And just to clarify one quick thing before we do move on, the day-to-day storyline of this has been terrible. The reason I think it was sneaky good is they actually built it over a period of time and had a direction they were going with it to get to this match. And I like the fact that I was correct in predicting KO winning the steel cage match by virtue of Braun throwing him off something. So I'm going to go with KO winning again. All right, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. So, so Kane can pat himself on the back. There we go. That's the key. On. That's the only reason I make predictions is so I can tell you that I'm right. Okay. This is what Silver you, King likes to do. Hold on. Pause the show. This is what Silver King <laughs> likes to do. 
moments before something's going to happen, pick two or three of the most obvious possibilities of how two it can happen. Two or three, that's not fair. Come on, one. I say one thing. Pick a, but never like a shot in the dark. Always something fair. Okay, the cable one's fine. But never a shot in the dark. Always something fairly obvious. Like, yeah, that's probably. I wouldn't call that's it. That's probably 60% the most likely thing that's going to happen. But then claim ownership to it like you were in the writing room and you wrote it. Like, it's different if you're like, hey, you know what? I got this weird feeling. Jennifer Hall is going to be WWE champion next year. We'd be like, what? Then it happens. You're like, I'm the guy for life that saw that coming. But you're like, no, guess what? Ronda Rousey is going to be a big star. And now I own her for life. Okay, no. First of all, I said Ronda Rousey was going to be a massive star months before she even signed. When it was just a twinkle, I said she was going to be bigger than Brock Lesnar. So I didn't, I didn't camp it and say, oh, she's going to be a big star in WWE. I said she's going to be a bigger star than Brock Lesnar. So don't you dare take that away from me. Oh, wow. Look at this. Look at the okay. mama bear territorial here. No one touches. For Ronda, for my, for Ronda absolutely, I will stay that way. No There's one no puts question. Ronda Rousey in the corner. Wow. In terms, of, in terms of everything else, I don't necessarily make the fairly obvious. But, yes, it's when you and I are talking during a Raw, I'm like, hey, what if this happens now? Of course it's something that might happen. I'm just talking to you during the show. Those aren't predictions. A prediction is when I was solo on this show uh, when you were in, where was it, Maine, Vermont? Where You were in Vermont. And I said, you know what? I don't think that this Rollins stuff is to have him win the title. I think it's to tease a comeback. And not only do I think it's Dean Ambrose, I think it's going to be at the Raw go-home show, not at SummerSlam. That's a prediction. That's one that came through. That's what the Silver King does. Wow. Wow. Here we go, guys. The Oracle, the Silver King. Okay. Here we go. We got a couple more matches here. All right. United States Championship, Shinsuke Nakamura defending against Jeff Hardy. We expected Randy Orton to get officially added to this match. That was something I predicted. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he, he he wasn't. Instead, he's still stalking them, which he did, you know, coming out of SmackDown. So I want to talk about this match very, very briefly. Are you aware of the accusations that are being leveled against Levitt, I mean, against Randy Orton um, over the last couple of years or no? In real life? In real life, yes. Did he did he touch something he shouldn't have? What's going on? So they are. There is a, a former WWE writer came out a couple weeks ago, maybe something like that, and said that Randy Orton, um, to new writers on staff, would put his hand in his trunks, touch his junk, and then <laughs> oh, go, sorry about laughing there. Sorry and then when introducing him, and then when introducing himself, go to shake their hand, and many of the writers, at least the ones that were liked, were kind of given the heads up: Hey, don't shake Randy Orton's hand. So now this is becoming a thing. Uh, it's getting picked up here and there. So this isn't like like this isn't like sexual creeper as much as it's like I hate writers here. Let me clown you. Uh, no, I mean that's a rib. What we would call a rib. It's an old but school it, rib, and he's an old school guy. Not to defend that by any means. But, but in uh, in twenty eighteen, that you, something like that is not acceptable. No, but again, no, they're no. rehashing old stuff. I wanted to know if you had heard about. I that did or not. Did did he do it to male or females? And does that even matter in reality? Uh, I don't think it matters, but to men. Ah, oh, it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. I've I've def- certainly seen stuff like that, but that's yeah. pretty gross. Uh, okay, so you don't have an opinion. So on he it, sort mind. of teases the bag and then hands you the mess. Wow, <laughs> hands you the mess. Yeah. So are you he trying does. to attempt to say that until that's resolved, we won't see him in something important? I was got the follow up question I was going to have is, do you think that kept them from putting him in this match as anticipated? Keep him on the screen, but. Maybe they held off on putting him in the match. That's a little bit cooler that he's not in the match because it's fitting the persona that they're going with right here, that he's sort of an outsider who's going to do what he wants when he wants. I think what we're waiting for to see is if he's going to turn on Shinsuke, too. Like, what is their relationship? So I am pretty intrigued by by this because Orton's been so awesome in in this return about what's going to happen. I think Nakamura 
defends the t- title here. And I think we see something interesting from Randy. And uh, hey, WWE, I'm going to give you a chance to win me, win me with this. All right, give me, give me something good here. Give me a good ass story, because long term, Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura wouldn't have worked with Randy as a babyface, but with him as a gross heel, and you want to, you want to slowly turn heel Nakamura back into cheer Nakamura, but not by going baby, just by being a fun sort of diabolical guy who organically turns back baby. I'd be done with that. I'm 100% with you. You want to go ahead and give me the next one here? Uh, where are we in the order? I'm, I'm lost here. Okay. Uh, up next is the Intercontinental Championship match uh, between with Dolph Ziggler defending against Seth Rollins. And obviously, um, they had been building for the last three weeks the fact that Rollins was really in a two-on-one situation. They brought back Dean Ambrose, of course, Monday night on Raw. It's the big return. And before we talk about the match, BC, holy crap, Dean Ambrose is jacked and the hair is a million times better. He no longer looks like a campy face lunatic. He actually looks like a real lunatic. Do you agree? Yeah, it's a good look. I don't think he's um, insanely Jack. I just think it's in comparison to the fact that he had a pretty small build for a diabolical dude in his prime, right? He was always sort of an average build guy. Like, he, you could walk around with a t-shirt and you wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's a wrestler. You'd just be like, oh, that guy probably works well, out. Well, I'm not trying days. to say the guy's Triple H or Scott Steiner here. I'm saying compared to yeah, old Dean Ambrose. compared to that, he looked great. <laughs> yeah, and then when you cut your t-shirt like that and you trim your hair down low, you look like you're going to heel turn on somebody. So I'm very, very, very excited about where this is going. I was great to have him back. Great. Me too. I think you need to shave the entire head, though, Dean. Like, it's, you're balding, bro. Just go. Just let it go. Uh, you know, Aiden English is trying to grow the hair back now, too. Uh, you don't need the hair. Okay. You would balding. look balding. So is Zach Ryder. All right. It happens in males. You know, and... no, I'm not hating on it at all. I'm simply saying if you, if he went fully bald, he looks a little stone cold, Steve Austin, triple H, like with that hair and that beard, you know, that might work for him, but hey, um, hey, pa- I let... pause on this for something more exciting. We sometimes, <laughs> uh, do we give Steve Austin enough negativity for stealing Sandman's gimmick in ECW and bringing that to WWE? Uh, what the beer drinking part of it? I mean, uh, no, I don't think that's. Stealing. I don't think we give him enough crap for that. I, don't, I really don't. I don't, we, I don't consider, we give Goldberg crap for coming in and taking Austin's look. We don't give Austin enough for straight up stealing the Sandman's gimmick. Straight up. I don't. I don't get. I don't think it was stealing the Sandman's gimmick. I, I do mean, think the Sandman drank beer, but you're telling me one person, only one person, ever can drink beer. But the way he would do it, and the way he would pour it over the fans, the way he—he he didn't come through the crowd. He didn't bang well, it on no, his no. head. No, no, no. But Sandman would get into the crowd. Oh, you're saying Austin didn't come through the crowd? Austin, yeah. yeah. I mean, but Sandman, yeah, Sandman was the best man. I mean, the, you know why I love the Sandman? Austin so much? also, Austin also took it to the next level where he called for the beers and he made it the whole thing. It wasn't just like one beer on the way to the ring, banging it on your head, bleeding. Austin did something totally different with it. I mean, and I know Austin didn't do cigarettes and kendo sticks, and instead of yeah, uh, it's totally instead different. of like. Sweatpants and Zubaz pants, he wore jorts. But I'm just saying, he saw something and he used it. Fine, whatever. Let's just give the Sandman a round of applause and credit for being awesome. You know why I always connected with that dude? Because I grew up kind of in a dirtbag town, Naugatuck, Connecticut, blue-collar factory town on its on its uh, bad legs in the 80s. That was like every dad. Every The Sandman was like every Little League coach I had. And that sounds awful, but he, well, he was. That's the dude. Like, I feel like I, I knew... 1,000 Sandmans growing up. So I'm always going to cheer for a guy like that. Well, maybe Austin's just a redneck son of a bitch who likes drinking beer and kicking mud holes. How about that? Maybe it's just his real-life character. The guy literally has a beer named after him now, and he likes drinking them in real life. So maybe he just said, hey, I like drinking beer. Why don't I take one to the ring? How about that? You're, you're always, you're always going to protect WWE. You're always, always. Oh, no, no. I protect kid. ECW. I love ECW, and I will defend them forever. Okay? But I'm not going to say that Steve Austin ripped off Sandman. 
Hmm. Just not hmm. going to. We'll, How about we talk we'll show WWE that. Summer? How about you shut the F up so I can speak for a second? No, keep going. What do you got? What do you got? <laughs> okay, well, I want to talk about this Intercontinental title match here. Uh, is there any chance that we get a clean finish here? Or is the insertion of Ambrose, whether or not he heel turns like many of us think he will, which, again, is the obvious prediction, do we see any other way that this match really ends with Seth winning the title? Back? No. No, we, I've already given you the other babyface mountaintop moments we're going to get here, including the New Day winning, and we're all going to cheer for them. Same thing with Rusev and Lana. This has got to be Rollins losing, and I love the idea of a Ziggler, McIntyre, Ambrose sort of makeshift faction, a unified front there. They might not go that direction, but what I want even more than the... And this is why I'm really excited. This is the match of the, of the night for me in terms of must-see. Okay, mu- bigger must-see... Ms. Bryan's storyline, right? Yes. But this is the match that can steal the show where it's a great friggin' match and you have the storyline element. So even more than all of that talk, I want to see them get a make good for what we should have had at Extreme Rules in their 30-man Iron Man match. And if you didn't listen to our bonus podcast this week on In This Corner when Seth Rollins gave us 30 minutes in an Iron Man interview and shared his disappointment for how fans sort of ruined that match, hey, Dolphin Seth, Let's put on a classic. It can still end with a schmoz. It can still end with a Dean. But let's win back the reputation of you two as elite workers that are going to come out here and go, whether you go 17 to 23 minutes, that seems like a good window there. Give us something great. I don't think under any of these scenarios, though, Seth wins, under any of them. I don't see it either. The only way I would possibly see it is if he won and then Ambrose turned on Monday night because he wanted to challenge for the title because he was – you know, after that the was ma- yeah, or after the match on Sunday. But, but and, even yeah. so, but even so, I think taking the title off Ziggler, whose hair, by the way, is amazing. Okay, and it really brings out the heel in him. Just like HBK when he was in DX and they were heel, and he stopped putting like wetness or gel in the hair and it puffed out. Right, same thing. I love the Dolph Ziggler look. I love him as the Intercontinental Champion. We complain about a lot of stuff in WWE. You know what they've done? They've given a title to Dolph Ziggler. They're pushing him to the moon, and they had him in the main event of a damn pay-per-view, okay? So really, we can give WWE crap for a lot of stuff, but you and I, since this show has started two years ago, have been begging WWE to do something with Dolph Ziggler, and they're doing something with Dolph Ziggler. It would be a huge mistake to take the title off him. I'm, I'm all I'm all give me on there. And by the way, speaking of wet hair, I've been backstage a few times with WWE events. Guys like Rhino and Roman Reigns, they spray the, the bottle on their hair for like 10 straight minutes to make it look like that. It's not just like a couple, like it's dripping, soaking wet. Any of you out there that want the inside of what it's like when BC stands in catering and just gorges himself in hopes that Dean Malenko will make eye contact so we can talk to each other. Those are the moments in my life that I care about. One word answer. Does Dean Ambrose turn on Seth Rollins Sunday night? It's it's hard because it's like... Yeah, he should. One word answer. Knowing WWE, he won't, and you're going to think he will, and he One won't. One word yes, answer. Yes, he does, he does, he does, he does. One word answer. Yes, yes. No. All right, BC, let's move on to the match that you know hits me deep inside the feel spot. And not only does it hit me in the feel spot, WWE came through for the Silver King with his request, and they gave me a 10-minute, granted it was split into three parts, but a 10-minute video package chronicling the last eight years of the Miz-Daniel Bryan rivalry. Before we get to the match, did the promo package 
live up to your, I mean, I, I don't want to even say expectations because we didn't know they were going to do it, but your expectations of what such a promo package could be. Yeah, I, I don't want to add anything negative here because this is everything we wanted, but like, I was a little bit underwhelmed knowing the footage they had and the potential. In the end, was it a, a pretty damn good three-part video package? Absolutely. For a go-home show, though, for a feud that matters this much, that I've been so excited for, that everybody just wants to see, I feel like you had to have physical interaction on the screen to get us truly ready and juiced for it. It could have gone either way, either one attacking, something like that. Seeing this spread up into three pieces, you know, like the commentary they added was fine. I needed something live. Is that a small argument? Maybe. In the end, I thought it was a BB plus if I'm going to grade it because... I wanted the first time we saw this, and maybe it's because I have you in my air every week, and you're like, man, rightfully so, one day at Mania or SummerSlam, when they play this video package, it's going to be awesome. I kind of wanted that to play right before the match, and I get all fired up. Very small, minor criticism. It did affect me, but look, did we get the full package for anybody that didn't watch back in the NXT early run? Yes, they they did it justice. I can only cr- cr- criticize so much. Feel spot activated. I get what Nick said earlier. We didn't get the chance to argue against him. Yes, this could have been a WrestleMania match. For all we know, it will also will be. But SummerSlam is still a very big deal. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I'm yeah, fired up. now it still can be a WrestleMania match. And, and that's something that I said and that we talked about when this first started. We said, hey, doesn't it feel like this maybe should have been saved for WrestleMania? But then you go back and you think, well... What else were they going to do with Daniel Bryan if he wasn't going to be in the title match? Like, they wanted to do something extremely important with him, and the cast feud was biding time until they were... And then the Kane, bringing Kane back and doing Team Hell No, was biding time until they had the ability to get this, you know, five, six weeks into SummerSlam. So I agree with you that if we're doing Hero or Zero, it was a zero that they weren't live on the show. It was a zero that they didn't touch and there wasn't physical interaction. But the fact that they even did the promo package and didn't just give us three minutes, but they actually did what I asked for. It would be very disingenuous for me to call that a zero. But that said, I think it was a seven of a 10. I think that's fair. It hit a lot of the right notes. Some of the new interviews that weaved it together, I thought were unnecessary. Uh, It was a little too much of the talking. I would have preferred more clips. And I probably think- that, you just nailed it. Hold on. You yeah. nailed the reason why it, it didn't hit the 10 out of 10 that Nick said it was, that some people on Twitter said it was, and I thought they missed it. I felt like, you know what would have been great? Play the entire smack, Talking Smack segment. Don't give me clips right. of it. You know what I mean? Right. Like I felt like I needed a little bit more of that, and you're right. To hear them separately kind of just recap and say, I'm better than you, I felt like you were burying the lead, WWE. The lead is this great moment of them screaming in each other's face. Like I know with, you know, Dan O'Brien gave the excuse that he was, didn't want to get fired as GM, but that was a little bit soft as well. It, it also didn't really build up because it was split into three different parts. You're watching like three, three minute things. If that was together and it was a nice nine minute piece and it weaved together and, and it built to a crescendo and the crescendo is the package ending and Mrs. Music hitting and him getting booed out of the building. That's what you want. That's why you air those packages in the arenas, sometimes yes, for people to go to the bathroom, but for those that are engaged and, and want to see the match, you want them to give the reaction that the video creates. Now that said, they it's we got plenty of time at SummerSlam, okay? They could definitely show either that entire package or a four-minute version of that package ahead of the match. I guarantee they're gonna show it on the kickoff show. Absolutely. 
But that said, for the the one thing we never criticize WWE on is their packages, right? And you can you could have used the zipper there, but they you got, didn't have they to. Got really nice uh, <laughs> but, but but that's the thing we don't criticize them on. This one deserves a tad of criticism because even though they did what I asked, I I know they can do better. I know for a fact they can do better. That's all. Yeah, and, and that's a, I guess the ultimate point for anyone that's listening to this going, come on, guys, you kidding me? The point is, this shouldn't feel an ounce underwhelming. This should be, right. in, in the, and it did just enough. So whatever. Just a little we're bit, just a it. little bit. Before we get into the match, I want to ask you this yeah. about the timing and why we're doing this. And it sort of plays again into Nick's comment that he would have preferred WrestleMania. The Daniel Bryan contract situation for September 1st, it's in play. Let's be honest. This is the end of August. This is in play. Do you believe that they either, one of two things, did this now so that it would entice Daniel Bryan to resign because it's not like we gave you a, a feud with Cass and then a feud with, I don't know, insert name, Shelton Benjamin, and then you're like, what the hell am I doing here? I could be wrestling against CM Punk somewhere. Or do you think it was a little bit of security on their side to just say, okay, if he doesn't, then at least we got the Miz feud with him and we can sell tickets to SummerSlam with it. Any, any in either side of that bank account for you? It, it's tough. It would really shock me. I don't know any organization in the world where a talent, and I include CBS Sports because we have people on talent contracts as well, that someone's two weeks ahead of their <laughs> deadline to renew them, and there's someone that you're featuring in a major role, and yet haven't had a conversation with them about, hey, uh, are we signing and you're just kind of waiting for your lawyer to go through the details, or are you really up in the air about it? Because if they were really up in the air about it, I don't think they put this promo package together to this level. I don't necessarily think that um, they put him in the 2K19 game as like this featured showcase thing, whatever the hell that is. Um, I don't think they go as deep on the angle with Miz talking about the reality shows when maybe he wouldn't be on Total Bellas anymore if he's not under, under contract to WWE. So it seems to me like he's either re-signed or they're just crossing the T's and dotting the I's on it. I don't necessarily think that that totally played into it, but... You have to remember, following the super, superstar shakeup, the, the angle that they provided was Daniel Bryan asked Shane McMahon to get Miz on the show so he could beat him up. So you got to pay that off. You can't wait a year to pay it off. You have to at least get us part one now. And there's plenty of things that can happen between now and then. Miz could beat him clean somehow and go into a title feud. And then Daniel Bryan gets his title match by winning the Royal Rumble, and he gets it at WrestleMania. This feud is not necessarily a one-off. It feels that way because that's how they built it. But there's many layers of this still to be told. And it's nice that we're getting this at a major show and not like a vengeance or something like that. You no, know? That, that's fair. That's all, that's all strong points, actually. And I, I just hope it gets at least because, look, it's not in their top three of importance, you could argue, in terms of the, not. the matches they're pushing. And there's certainly not a title. And it doesn't need to have a title at stake. I just hope it at least gets mid-show main event status gets the Rousey handling, right? The route for, for Mania gets the, the, the mountaintop moment of the middle of the show. I hope it gets that. I hope it doesn't open the show. I hope it doesn't get buried in another stretch of good matches. I, I hope they, they, they really give it what it deserves. We'll see what happens in terms of who wins. It's, it's, it, it depends on how long they want to tell the story. I, I just still feel like if you want to keep telling the story, then the heel has to be a heel and has to keep winning. I totally agree. Um, I want to pick Daniel Bryan. I'll tell you this. I, you can go a couple ways on it because let's say he's not re-signing in, in the 1% chance of that actually happening, right? You could still put him over and get the moment out of him. You know what I mean? Or you could bury, not bury him, but 
Vince McMahon level bury him. On the way out the door, he loses the match. You put it puts Miz over. He gets to talk crap about it for a long time. Or if they're staying in, you know, the company and and if he stays and everything processes, both can also still win because Daniel Bryan can win and either go against AJ, you know, leading into maybe not Survivor Series but another big pay per view, or Samoa Joe is champion and now you have the heel face and you get Bryan in the mix there. So really, there's a million different directions you can go. But I'm gonna pick the Miz to win. It feels weird. Yeah, it, it's it seems like the right move though. Um, Daniel Bryan did have his comeback moment at WrestleMania. They gave him that. It was you know somewhat in the middle of the show. They 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 simmered on it a little bit. He's got to lose here. I just hope they've got something in mind, man. I hope they've got a good story turn in mind. Very excited for this match. Probably the match I'm I'm most excited for. Not that I think it'll be the best match. Not that I think it'll steal the show. But in terms of looking to see what they have planned for us in a story, it's certainly this one. We know that Miz, as much as we say he's more of a talker than a wrestler, he can put on a quality match. And given the fact that they've been doing this match on house shows for like a month or two months, I have no doubt that this will steal the show. I'm not even going to put a caveat on it. I think it will steal the show, and it's going to be the match that we remember coming out of this. Whether there's a swerve or not, we'll find out, but I think it's going to be something that we remember. Okay, we got four more matches left, all major title matches. We'll start with the SmackDown Women's Championship Carmella defending against Becky Lynch, and now also Charlotte Flair, which gives each of them a 33 and a third percent chance to win, just in case you didn't know. Okay, um, BC, a lot happened this week, actually, with the storyline, primarily a line that I love that was obviously scripted, but actually hit a tone with me, with Charlotte referring to Carmella as a diva in the women's era. That's a shout-out to the IWC, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, and it was. And Carmella saying that's a compliment and then basically comparing her body and her curves was actually came off in a a sort of uh, confident, cocky, tasteful way. I mean, not not tasty way, although you can argue that. No, tasty. It was tasty. Tasteful way. And I like where they went with that. Um, You know, in terms of the friendship, the on and off again of – uh, not on and off. I mean, Becky and Charlotte are friends. They're trying to hold it together. They're trying to sell, though, that there will be a competitive juice flowing, and you know it will. I, I got some interesting feelings about this match here. Like the the ship's already sailed that we're angry that Asuka lost her streak to Charlotte, then Charlotte lost the belt right after, and now Asuka's getting buried, and no one seems to care. Like that's over with. I don't want Charlotte to win the belt here, and. Title. Uh, if somebody's going to win the best bet in my mind, it's probably Carmella hanging on and just keeping it going because she's been good and she's been successful. And you can tell you can tell a Becky Charlotte story without having Carmella need to lose the belt. In fact, in some cases, it Title. may enhance their story if that uh, championship strap stays on Carm. That works. But I'm going to mark out here for a second. I love Becky Lynch. Loved her on our show on Tuesday. Again, check out the bonus episode with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins if you have not. Becky's interview is the real deal. It's her. It's worth it. I love her. I love Becky Lynch. I love me some Becky straight fire Lynch. The fan in me wants her to win the belt because she deserves it both in storyline and in real life. If they heel turned her, I'd fire up. Of course I would. I just need her to win the belt. Yeah, Carmella's okay. Like, yeah, Charlotte can win it for the 17th time and break her dad's record. I need Becky Lynch to win right here. Or the fan in me is going to be a little bit sour. I think that's fair. Uh, they, they've worked even the smart fans into saying, man, if, if Carmella wins, 
she's, you know, she's even worse. The, the booking's even worse than we think it is. And we're going to boo her even louder. Well, that's what they want with Carmella. And you can say what you will about her in the ring. And it's not good. I don't have anything good to say about her in the ring. Other than I think I did compliment her that she is slowly, slightly improving match by match. But everyone wants Becky Lynch to win. And for that reason, there's no way <laughs> Becky Lynch wins the title. It, I just don't see it happening. And I actually, this wasn't a prediction. It's just something that I, I mean, it will be a prediction if I'm right. But it is something I posed to you Tuesday night while we oh, were watching. Oh, you turned Sm- the inside of a hedge right there. Sorry, keep <laughs> yeah, it I know. going. That was a double turn right there. Um, it is something I proposed to you, though, while we were watching SmackDown, which was, it kind of seems to me like they're trying to build a Charlotte-Becky tag team in some way. And it makes me wonder if they're trying to do Charlotte and Becky against Sasha Banks and Bayley for the first ever women's tag team titles at Evolution. And that's the direction that we're going. And if they are going that direction, you're not going to put the title on Becky. So that kind of has me wondering. That's interesting. Maybe, they, maybe that's what they do. They get into a similar blow-apart best friends type of situation. They become a tag team. And then maybe Asuka does come back and challenge Carmella and win the title. So if I had to make a prediction, it would be Carmella retaining the title here. I guess the only question is, would that be a mistake? Uh, uh, depends the story that they tell. If Carmella wins, and you got to have a story with Becky and Charlotte, either that they're breaking up or that something is going to take you into Tuesday to get you to care. But I think it's a good time to slide in with this. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? An unscheduled slide for really the MVP of DM slides, Adam X Parsons. I'm not trying to make this guy a D midi level star, or Omar Al Rashid, or Thanos Backlund. I'm not trying to put him in the four horsemen of ITC DMers, but Adam X Parsons is trying to be like a Ric Flair style in a profile. And he comes in and says, We went from possibly seeing Sasha Bailey at the Barclays Center for SummerSlam yeah. to them not. <laughs> even being on the show at all, dot, 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 question mark. Even if they do something at Evolution in October, WWE should have had them somewhere on the card. What do you think? End quote. Now, Adam, this is the Silver King. I had no idea that this was a truth. In fact, when I read Adam X Parsons' DM, I'm like, what's he talking about? They're probably on a pre-show match against Absolution. Absolutely not. They're not on this damn card. And there's like 14 matches. What the hell is going on here, Coach Hankstram? What is what is what? Not on the card. Sasha Banks, Bailey, Oscar, all three so on the SummerSlam card. None of them are anywhere, and because instead we have Carmella and we have Alexa Bliss in the title picture. Also, Nia Jax isn't on, and neither is Naomi. But dude, Nia again. Jax is not only not on the card. Nia Jax has not only changed her Twitter name to her real name, as some others have done, including Mojo Rawley. Have you seen some few cryptic tweets from Nia lately? Am I the only one? She, she's just off. She's like off, like taking a, I think she's healing up and stuff. Uh, Becky Lynch's thing is Rebecca Quinn or O'Quinn, whatever her yeah. name is. Um, I'm just saying, not, I think I see cryptic tweets from her that suggest to me that she's unhappy. Maybe I'm reading into it. Look, she's not like most girls. So we have to get that out of the way, Adam. But she, she, whether she's unhappy or not, where the hell else is she going to wrestle? That, that's the one thing about women in the WWE. Like, unless you're going to go to stardom, Right. No one go, go to impact, go to women of on like no one's watching you. Right. So <laughs> do you think the, that's what the one thing says when they do a backstage conversation, when the Saudi Arabia news hit, you think he's like, girls, <laughs> honestly, where are you going? Where are you going? Nowhere. You're not going. Like, I understand you're upset, but where are you going? Like, what exactly are you going to do? Like, there's other things that are comparable for the men. And, and hopefully one day the same is true for the women. Hopefully the impact women's division and women of honor and whatever else, hopefully they all do step up one day. But right now there is a drastic difference between the WWE women's division and really anything else 
except for stardom in Japan, which is a separate organization, you know, of just women's wrestling. So, um, but no, I, I just think it is a mistake for them not to be here, especially because you and I were talking about for weeks, hey, you know, if they pay off this long feud that doesn't make any sense, it's been going on since March, if they pay it off in a one-on-one match at SummerSlam, who's really going to complain? Well, he's right. They're not paying it off in that match, and they're not even teaming on the show. The only thing I'm going to say is WWE on both Raw and SmackDown has done a good job of having TV-only storylines that don't pay off on pay-per-views. So it's okay for them to have storylines that don't pay off in pay-per-view matches, Bobby Lashley and Elias, this being another one. But it should have. Yeah, this is this one should have. This is weak sauce. I mean, like, shout out to Finn Balor. I wanted you to join the revolution, but you could tell me you're taking Finn Balor Corbin off of this card altogether yes. and you're putting on. That'd be fine, right? That you, one that one could have paid off Monday night on Raw, and they didn't even have to have it on the show. They could have done the U.S. Just, title match on Tuesday. That would have been fine, yep. right? I, yeah, that's, that's bad. This comes across to me as bad. So, yeah, uh, Becky Lynch better win, but still, this comes to, across to me as bad. Yeah. All right, moving why don't on. You, why don't you hit me with one of these for a change? Well, what about the Raw Women's Championship match? All right. Hey, Adam, why don't I hit you with the Raw Women's <laughs> Championship match? Oh, here we go. He's got to talk about Ronda Rousey. Oh, that's the Alexa, reason I wanted to be, uh, you know. Uh, Bliss. Uh, yeah, so uh, is she going to win the belt here or not? Because I'm really toying with this. Title? I'm really going back and forth on whether she needs to, whether now is the time, whether we wait till Mania, how much some other factors might influence. Where are you right now on who wins this? You know, I don't know. I thought, I'm assuming Natalia is not going to be there. And I'm assuming they're delaying if there ever is a heel turn with Natalia a little bit for obvious good reasons. As long as that's still the case, Ronda Rousey should win. I mean, what else are they going to do? Like, so Mickey James interferes or Alicia Fox interferes? Like, uh, that's not a payoff. Like, this is SummerSlam. If this was Money in the Bank or one of those other in-between pay-per-views, I could say, okay, like, the, you know, the Nia Jax match. That was fine the way that ended, okay? Alexa Bliss, it, it was exciting still. She cashed in. She didn't just cause an interference. She cashed in. She won the title. There was a moment. But what's the moment here? A schmaz finish? No. The moment is Ronda and Rousey winning the women's championship, not belt, at SummerSlam in Brooklyn and getting a massive ovation from this crowd t- and taking that championship into WrestleMania not in the same venue, but in the same area in April. I'm just curious, when the hell did you turn so corporate? You and this belt stuff, man. This is a, this is a stupid Vince McMahon initiative. You love it's this. It's funny. I think it's funny. Uh, it, it, it may yeah. not be, but I think it's funny. Go ahead. So I, I had an interesting, I had a similar take where, you know, at first I thought, okay, well, it's not time because the money will be in Rousey chasing. Is there money with Rousey? as a baby face champion. I've really been toying with that. I'm like, maybe the moment's mania, but no, the moment for Rousey at mania is to main event against Charlotte and have that be the thing. Correct. And I started to think about the Natalia thing a little bit closer and we need big baby face pops. That's what SummerSlam's about. Is there really a bigger baby face pop than Natalia running in at the end of the match when Ronda's getting double and triple teamed and gets that, we're sorry for your dad pop, which I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in a good way. Like we are sorry for your dad pop and helps Rhonda win it. And we still lead to them breaking apart. And we still eventually have a Rhonda heel turn down the road, by the way, and it'll be fantastic. But you get Rhonda's moment packaged with a good moment for Natalia that ends up helping you tell the story for when she turns. Cause Rhonda's like, you know, 
blinded by friendship and love and happiness. So, yeah, Ronda's going to win this belt, and it took me a while to really realize that. So it's her time right now. She's going to wear the strap. It's time for the Ronda to wear the strap, to experience the strapation, to understand what the main priority is. The main priority is, is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation dudes. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that, Adam. Hey. It's really good. It's really there's nothing good. more to say on this, all right? As long yeah. as we can just change Ronda Rousey's haircut, we're going in a good direction. Is there one match? No. This is, all right, this is Two. interesting. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, the WWE Championship. They don't care about the WWE Championship. You already know that. They don't. This no. match is not one of their priorities. But. It's not. It's our priority, though. It's our priority because we love that title. It's our priority because we love AJ and because, you know what, Samoa Joe's done a really damn good job in this build. I didn't really like AJ's counter promo that we talked about last week. This week they went back to the well on the you're not a good father or husband thing to close the show. I had mixed feelings here, Adam, because can you simultaneously have a segment that I thought was brilliantly written? Not go back to the well-written, even though they did. They went back to the same storyline. I thought the whole segment was brilliantly written, and I thought it equally fell on its face. Was it the abrupt nature? What the hell was missing there? Like, at the end, I'm like, that's it? That's all you got? Well, that's exactly right. What was missing was the clip that WWE posted on social media of them in a break-apart, not even a break-apart fight, but AJ Styles being held back by five dudes from attacking Samoa Joe in the backstage area. So what they should have done is had those promos in the ring like 20 minutes earlier, the U.S. title match in the main event, and then before we went off the air, showing AJ Styles getting pulled apart from Samoa Joe backstage. And if you haven't seen it, go on to WWE's Twitter account, go to WWE.com. It's like a 30-second clip, 45-second clip, but it's great. It's Samoa Joe taunting Styles, and it gives you the heat that you want to leave a go-home show with. Instead, they do dueling promos, and they just go, all right, the show's over. So you're right. I thought the segment was fine. It was very good, actually. I thought the reveal but, of that was his wife with the letter was great. Like, Yeah, great. but then but then the show just ended. Like, I, I understand they have some fascination with their social media audience. I get it. And a lot of the promos that we complain about or that I complain about that they put on social media really should be on TV. And there's a good reason for that. Those aren't scripted. The ones on TV are scripted, blah, blah, blah. But – there's no excuse for this clip, and please go out and watch it. Pause the show if you want to see what I'm talking about. Didn't end SmackDown because that is how you take a program home into a pay-per-view. And to see you know, the champion that we love, AJ, who, yeah, I know he promised his wife he wouldn't get violent, but for him to just look befuddled and not look mad and have Samoa Joe walking away laughing, it wasn't enough. But I, I love the psychology. I actually really love – that's the brilliant part, the revealing that it's his wife at the last minute – the psychology that this is Samoa Joe's way of disarming AJ, not to go out and crush him like he's done to everybody else. No, he's going to try to mentally weaken him and make him question himself. Brilliant, but with Samoa Joe getting every single upper upper hand in the build, for me, this tells me AJ's winning the title. And you can say maybe that's too perfect, too retaining. predictable. Yeah. AJ's retaining the title here, and I think the big picture idea is true. They let Braun Str- or Brock Lesnar's uh, title reign go a little bit farther than we thought. I think they wanted CM Punk's name out of the record book with the longest modern reign right around the time of that trial when they lost the trial to him. And now I also think they don't necessarily want it to be Brock because they know this is the most hollow title reign ever. And by the way, great line on Raw with Angle calling Brock Lesnar the worst champion in WWE history. Uh, like, I, I liked it. He doubled down. He said it before, we'll but get, I, I liked yeah, we'll it. We'll get to that. AJ is perfect for a guy 
You can keep it on him and get that new modern record. He's the perfect WWE champion. Well, here, here's the problem. He's like 200 days behind Brock. Maybe more. I think he's more, actually. So he'd have to keep the title like indefinitely up until and probably through WrestleMania for him to then beat Brock's record. So I'm not so concerned about that. Hold but- on. There's 229 days from now until April 1st. So when's WrestleMania? A couple days after that? Yeah. So that's another, you add another 230-something days to what he's done right now. So he has to keep it all the way. So that's assuming Brock loses either Sunday or Monday. I gave away my prediction. Um, And Styles then retains and doesn't lose until WrestleMania. Yes. He might eclipse, because I don't know Brock's total right now. I think it's like 560 or something like that, but I could be wrong. Um, he That would maybe just get him there. So... I don't know, man. Like against for Cena, me, against Cena, dude, Cena's a chance to break the record for title wins. There it is. No, I just booked the territory. There it is. You it's can a good. Have that. It's a good match. For for me, it's more important that if they wanted to get CM Punk out of the record books, they've already done it. I think for the WWE title, right? Is this reign longer than CM Punk's WWE title reign? Yes, Brock says yes. So, so he's no, but, but, but it's AJ's. I'm saying. Oh, I don't think they care. They consider this belt the same. They consider all these, these title, top, the yeah. top level belts, except for the World Heavyweight Championship. They, they did bootleg that one a little bit, but they keep these. Uh, okay, these, so these belts, regardless belts, of regardless of the belts, fact, he belts, has held it belt, not, belts, too long, belts, not too long, not too long. He's held it for a long time, and I, I've said this the last two weeks on the show. It is time to remove the title from AJ Styles. Let him pursue a little bit. Samoa Joe is ready to be WWE champion. And if you told me four years ago, five years ago, that I would say that I'm most looking forward to a match main eventing SummerSlam between two TNA guys, them being Samoa Joe and AJ Styles specifically. I love Styles, but you know, Samoa Joe, I didn't ever necessarily thought would be a WWE main eventer. I would have told you you're insane. Meanwhile, I want Samoa Joe's WWE champion. Meanwhile, they're not going to main event. I know we can call it the SmackDown main event, but they're they're not yeah, going to be in the top last three matches uh, right there. By the way, I hope that they use, when AJ retains, I hope they use his family, and I hope his wife comes in and like knees Samoa Joe in the crotch or his kids drop kick him to the crotch. I hope it looks a lot like the WrestleMania three epic match between Hillbilly Jim and uh, Little Tokyo and Lord Littlebrook and. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the the okay, yeah, little people. But, yeah, but All don't right. say don't don't be so sure and don't be so quick to say that this won't main event. It won't be the last match. But the last two WWE pay per views, I've given them a lot of praise, and I think you've agreed with me. They've built the cards from bottom to top, like real fight cards, like NJPW does, true, like boxing does, and like UFC does. So if they continue on that path, it very well may be the second or third to it's final not, match. Well, yeah, but that's fine. But it's the, the whole point on the two TNA guys. It, it would be a good point if. If it was the true main event, then he'd be like, oh, wow. Of course. Damn. But they can't, the, they, they can't get put the WWE anywhere never near the main they event. They can't get the WWE title in the main event, regardless of who's holding it, let alone with two TNA guys in there. I mean, I mean, outside on, of I'll, AJ's work opposite Reigns, has he main evented any pay-per-views? I know he's done it with Ambrose, but that was like you, a SmackDown only. Is there any dual branded pay-per-view that AJ has legitimately main evented? Well, I gave you the stat a few weeks ago that the WWE title hasn't main evented a pay-per-view in X period of time. I forgot what it was, a dual brand pay-per-view, but it was like forever. Like it was like two years. So he's been champion a good portion of that time. The answer is no. The closest he's come is probably the match against Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series last year, which wasn't the main event, but it was the last singles match of the show. All right, all right, that's fair. All right, this show's rolling on to about six hours. It is. Let's get into the damn real main event, and that's Brock Lesnar 
Universal Championship, Roman Reigns. This week's segment on Raw, holy crap, for, for, for seriously, for a few that we were supposed to not care about that we all decided we didn't care about, Paul Heyman is making us care every single week. True or false here? It's a freaking fantastic roster. Don't even tell me one thing that's wrong with it. This was freaking awesome. This was fantastic. Paul Heyman's amazing. Brock was great. No, I didn't think he was coming. He's coming. He's coming through that door. It's a go-home show. It's like SmackDown had been the better show for about a month, and it's like this week Vincent Company was like, slow your roll, blue brand. We're having a real go-home show on Raw, and that's what happened. It did. The question I was going to pose to you off the bat here is whether it was the right decision to pay off Paul Heyman on the go home show as opposed to SummerSlam itself. Pay off him his double his double cross on Reigns. Right? Where his where his, you know, loyalties actually lied. And well, you can't you know, do that in the middle of a match though, the same way you could with the dialogue time that they had though, in using the Samoan verbiage and all that. Like that was freaking brilliant. Think about that. If you try to do that at the end of a match with Paul trying to like, here, I'll help you. It doesn't translate the same. Yeah, but they could have had that whole thing happen. And then instead of the pepper spray, had Brock's music kick, get pissed, push Paul out of the way, attack Roman, you know, blindside him somehow, get a little one up on him. He doesn't die. He wouldn't be able to dominate him the same way, but get one up on him. And then maybe like Roman's walking back like and Paul's by his side also because he got pushed over. And you're like, oh, my God, maybe they will come together. And then during the main event, Reigns, like, leans on Paul for, like, help for a second. And he pepper sprays him in the face. And Brock goes after him, right? So you could have done the same dynamic but had it pay off at the pay-per-view as opposed to Raw. I thought they gave us the nice Ambrose payoff on Raw, which I predicted. But more importantly, I thought it was done extremely well. They gave us two payoffs. And I really wish they had saved the Paul Heyman one for the pay-per-view. That's fine. I kind of like the doing it this way. And here's the thing. We think that the idea... Look, in the end, do I think Roman's going to turn heel? No. Do I think he's going to join forces with Paul Heyman? No. Do I want one of both or both together? Absolutely. I think by giving that away and doing it so brilliantly, they kind of let us go, oh, they're not going to do that. Okay, well, that raw go-home was fun, though. Great moment with the pepper spray. Oh, my God, Paul Heyman was awesome with the Samoan. I wish I know what he actually said. All that great stuff. But we'll forget about the idea that it could still happen because it doesn't really like think like it makes sense now. They can make, well, it make it make sense. I know it's a dream. It's not going to happen, but I want to go in with that. Oh, you're saying there's a chance. I want to go in there with that chance that they're setting me up for that reveal. No, they probably won't No, in the end. Brock Lesnar's not going to win this match and Roman Reigns is not going to win this match. And you, Adam Silverstein actually know this man, you know, this neither one of those guys are holding the belt at the end of this match. You know this, but I want to believe that it might be heel Roman or that it might be, you know, Paul Heyman and Roman joining up. And I feel like I have a better chance because they did that move on Monday. Maybe I'm like so reverse triple double psychology here on WWE. Well, they could be doing not a traditional double swerve, but they're swerving us away from Roman Reigns and they're swerving us towards Heyman still with Lesnar. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Heyman couldn't be with KO or with Strowman, which obviously I talked about, I think it was last week, right? So they may have swerved us in one direction to come back and hit us over the head in the other. And if that actually transpires and they pull that off, then kudos to them. I'm just kind of saying, you know, I would have preferred if there was if the if the only if there's only going to be one Paul Heyman payoff, I would have preferred to be on the pay-per-view as opposed to Raw. But those were the questions I was going to ask you, BC, following up here. The first one, one word answer. Is there any chance this does not go on last? 
No, this is last. It deserves to be last. This is one million percent last. I was asked. He doesn't on, listen to instructions. On, it's incredible. On CBS Sports HQ, if there's any chance Ronda will main event, no, that's going to happen at Mania when they do that. You're, this is this is the this is it. This is it. This is the moment. This is the big one. Look, they've put every ounce of resource for the past <laughs> three years into this. This is what has to happen. Only look. I'll dive into the predictions for a second because I don't think Roman is winning this, and I don't think Brock is. And by the way. And it's part of me almost reverse hoping that Brock wins it just to like, do they have a storyline that would make it make sense? Would this make everybody be so mad? I'd almost rather like if Roman wins as a face, everyone's gonna be mad. I don't want that level of mad. But if they find a crazy way again to have Brock win it. But look, that's not going to happen. Here's the reason why none of those are going to happen. WWE likes to let you believe that there's certain scenarios in play. Like Shawn Michaels might come back for Royal Rumble in 2017. Kenny Omega might be walking through that door. Like they like, they want you to be talking about that. Sometimes they even tease that. But more often than not, they end up going with the safe, somewhat predictable route. And I think in this spot, Braun Strowman is the safe and predictable route because they've hammered it down our throats. And because what we already talked about in the Braun Strowman prediction, that there's nowhere else for this guy to go. You've pressed pause forever. He has to leave this pay-per-view with the championship. He has to. You know, or I guess there's that scenario where KO wins the briefcase and then Braun Strowman breaks his up his cash in. But what does that mean? You still got to spin it forward into a feud involving Braun and the champion. That's actually the most predictable, safest route for them. And I think Brock Lesnar is going to go away and train for Daniel Cormier and train his face off and get six months in the gym. And I think it's going to be Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. And I think with, Str- with Strowman as champion, with Strowman as champion. And you know what? Saying that so it doesn't sound like a repeat of the feud they just had, which was good. And it had big moments. Maybe you do have to have Paul Heyman with Strowman. Then maybe you do because you can't have it babyface versus babyface and just hope that, hey, if people are going to be Roman, at least they'll cheer Braun. But if they do this, Adam, and I'm predicting they're doing this, Braun Strowman's going to win this, guys. Does this say that they they don't believe in Roman? Because they've done everything to overly show you that they believe in Roman, yet they've never cashed in on Roman beating Brock clean. Oh, you're done? Okay. Um, So you know how I feel. I mean, we've laid it out on this podcast. Really coming out of the greatest Royal Rumble, right? I'll say it again. Nick kind of stole my thunder, even though I've been saying it for two, you know, months. Uh, he said it earlier on the show. Try to keep up with what you Any, say. No, what, none of our listeners can keep up with the things you predict. No, they know. They know my opinion here. Any result other than Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar clean is a disaster. Because if that doesn't happen, then the storyline continues in perpetuity. We need that to end. We, the only way we can get out of this nightmare of Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns fighting until the apocalypse is for Roman Reigns to pin Brock Lesnar clean. And if we can't get that to happen, no matter what the result is, no matter if there's a cash-in from Owens, a cash-in from Strowman, what I predict is going to happen, which I predicted actually a long time ago, I think, which is that Brock actually retains the title and then loses it Monday night on Raw when Strowman or Owens cash in. I think I said Strowman at the time. None of that is good enough because we will always have Roman Reigns still needing to pin Brock Lesnar clean. We need this to end. The only way WWE's main event picture is going to move forward in a positive direction is with Roman Reigns pinning Brock Lesnar clean. And even if you want Strowman or Owens to cash it in, 
or if you want Paul Heyman to do something. I don't care how you get there. I don't care who leaves with the title. Roman Reigns at least needs to win it for 30 seconds on Sunday night in Brooklyn. Here's my counter, though. Somebody cashes in. It shows you that Vince McMahon right now doesn't have the confidence that Roman Reigns will do anything but get booed moving forward. So, if that's your end game anyway, and you're not willing to turn him heel, then I say don't let him pin Lesnar, because at least you still have that storyline since you're Vince and you don't want to get rid of Lesnar. You're hoping he comes back after the U- this UFC fight and for next Mania, and you can probably still tell the story all over again. I know that's the, the anti of your point. That's the reason it's driving you crazy. But if you're Vince, why cash that in if you're just going to let Braun cash in a minute later when you can have a storyline that's going to keep going and you can do video packages for days? Well, because, about how- well the, the reason is because then Roman has climbed the mountaintop. He did it. But and if you're Braun not gonna, Strowman, if you this, just Braun, this, this Braun Strowman guy who's, who's been you know, up and down his back for the better part of a year ruined his moment, and you either put him over as a badass, you try, or you put him over as a heel against Braun Strowman in the face. That's why you do it. It's so that you end the story, Roman gets his moment, and you don't even need Braun Strowman to come down like in a dastardly way. Let, Ro- let Reigns celebrate Make believe it's going off the air. And then Strowman, who's not nearly as tired as Reigns is, music hits, walks down, cashes it in, beats him in three, four minutes, and there's your thing. And then Roman is pissed the, the, that this happens. Roman doesn't get a moment in that. And the only other problem is that's exactly what Sheamus did at, in, in what, the end of 2015 when it was Roman against Vince. Roman versus the authority, and Sheamus was the representative, and then he feuded with him. And I, that's why I feel like Braun has to do it in the match. That's see. That's another thing. He could do it when the match starts, also, which would get us to cheer the entire match. And maybe that's their plan—a triple threat of these guys. Because look, I don't care what you expect in terms of the finish. Braun, I'm sorry, Brock and Roman are going to get booed in the Barclays. It's going to happen. The fans are trained to do this. They're going to get booed, even with the Great Heyman stuff. They're probably still going to get booed. You're that's genius. You insert Strowman in. It's genius. Either way, I will say this. I'm excited to see what happens next. The worst case scenario is what you mentioned. Roman gets his moment and he gets booed and they wait till Monday to cash it in because people are going to boo the crap out of him winning as a babyface. We're so sick of this. You like, want it to they, end just to see it end. I don't want that moment because that's not what the fans want. I, I want just need it. I need it to happen. I don't care. Like My hope is that if they do end it and he gets booed, they just go, they throw their hands up and they go, okay, he's a heel on Monday. Fine. We just go with it. The, the, the storyline needs to end because we have to have other people in the main event. We have to have Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, possibly Ziggler, possibly McIntyre. There's plenty of people on this roster. But as long as Brock Lesnar either has the title or has not been beaten by Roman Reigns, we're always going to have to go back to that. And it's been so long. It's been almost four years now. Dude, Vince is stubborn. And he's long-suffering, and he doesn't care what you want. Just so you'll know, I don't succumb to public pressure. I could care less what the public wants, because quite frankly, I know what they want better than they do. So, Adam, you're going to have to remember that. You're really going to have to remember (laughs) that. He doesn't. Listen, he knows. So it comes down to this. Of course he knows. I'm going to tell you what it is. Vince is either going to go with it or he's not. It's not going to be Roman wins, and then 10 seconds later, Sheamus comes down and, and cashes in. It's all or nothing here. And I don't think Vince has the confidence to go to all, but I think he doesn't care, and he's that stubborn. Will he'll hold out 
It's all or nothing. So he's going to do nothing, and he's going to hold out for Mania and check the temperature because guess what? What if Brock loses to Cormier and gets the crap kicked out of him like we think he will? What if he's still the... What if he's still the champion at that point? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Then you. he's the biggest you... heel of all time coming back to Mania, and you're going to want Roman to beat him, right? So you're you're saying, so, oh, you want oh you want Reigns Lesnar at, at Mania again? I'm thinking, I'm trying to think from Vince. I'm really just trying to get in. Vince's I'm not going. Head. I'm not going to Mania if they're doing it again. I can't. I'm just trying to get in How Vince's can I do head. That? I'm just trying. Wouldn't it be a heel thing if oh. Lesnar loses badly at Cormier and gets laughed at, then comes back and wins the championship over whoever has it? Yes, that would be fine. Yes. And then Reigns finally has his mountaintop after getting screwed oh, by Strowman. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, we're, you, you almost gotta, had me. You almost had me. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think there's a realistic possibility that by the end of Monday Night Raw, so by 11.20 p.m. on Monday night following SummerSlam, that Lesnar is still the universal champion? It's the lowest possibility of all of the above. But it's we're, like Nick has said before. We're so far down this road that you, at that point, you'd only have to stand and applaud and say, Vince, you crazy SOB, keep going, bro. Keep <laughs> keep going with this nonsense that, I mean, somehow, Brock, you know, Brock, because part of me wants the craziness of Brock going into UFC as their actual champion. Part of me actually wants that for Vince to gamble on the hope, and I don't know how much he actually knows about MMA, gamble on the hope. That his actual champion could beat the UFC champion and he could come back to Raw with both on his shoulder. You know he wants to do... You know what? I change everything. Brock Lesnar's going to be your champion on Monday night at 11.20. Wait, so, okay, let's say that happened. And let's say that he keeps the title. You think Dana White is going to allow him to defend the WWE Universal Championship while being the UFC... I mean, he's not going to be the UFC heavyweight champion. We know this. But do you think he's actually going to allow him to wrestle... While being the heavyweight champion Three of the years UFC? years ago, no. But if you know what's going on in the UFC right now, there's a shameless side to what Dana White's doing. Conor McGregor didn't get suspended or anything for what he did. And now he's getting a title shot. Brock Lesnar's getting a title shot off a steroid test. They're selling their soul every single month in these decisions that you're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Yes, Dana White would, as long as he's getting... Yes. Dude, do you realize what Brock, as the heavyweight champion, would do for UFC pay-per-view business? Of course. So, yeah, yes, for, he'd be for like, one, For one pay-per-view until a dude with pink hair beats him. I know that was Kimbo Slice, but I'm just saying. Oh, wow. For one pay-per-view, wow. okay? One. Um, and then he gets his ass kicked by Stipe or whoever the hell they get to face him. Mark Hunt comes back and, and beats his ass. Whoever. If he beats Cormier, it's a complete joke. Cormier must have tripped you know that, that'd be I, the I greatest moment of vince's career he would just be like screw the xfl dude like this is i'll retire <laughs> you know what that's the only way vince would ever retire that's the biggest mountaintop <laughs> that's the biggest uh erection he could stand on that is the top moment in the life of vince mcmahon well, oh my god that's ridiculous one, one more question for you any chance we see daniel cormier on sunday no i don't, I don't think zero vince, no i think it's more of a raw thing if we do see it and it would be more in the promotion and build up i think i'd be I, I think there's a very small percent chance that dc would like interfere in the no i no 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 i don't mean interfere sitting in the crowd oh so they're okay only if vince and dana really have a deal to share to share the pub that they're both going to get from brock if they're both selling their souls for brock and then because vince would love the idea of the ufc heavyweight champion attending his fight just as much as dana might like the idea of using SummerSlam to promote their yeah 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 that's possible that's possible I'll give you that I'll give you that very interesting anything else that you want to kind of wrap up here whether 
with SummerSlam or with this match in particular as we kind of move on to the trademark biggest party of the summer. Yeah, 15-second DM slider. I wanted to give Timothy Hernandez a shout-out at Tim HZZ. First-time DM slider. He says, after SummerSlam, there's usually NXT call-ups. Who would you call up to Raw? Who would you call up to SmackDown? To keep this short, Adam, is there one NXT name that you feel pretty strong is going no matter what? No. Um, it might have been Aleister Black if he was healthy. That's, because that's good. That's a good point. You would, make, you would make the assumption that he wouldn't have won the title back and therefore would have really nothing else left to do there. Other than that, they overloaded with NXT talent coming out of WrestleMania. They've done nothing with most of them, and it would be a mistake to bring anyone up, even though I understand it's limited TV time, but it would be a mistake. I'm literally at the point where NXT is so good that it's not even the Billy Madison joke about high school. I don't want anyone to, to get called up. I don't want that to be the system anymore. Like, I know, obviously, that's what it would be because if Velveteen Dream and Ricochet get awesome and get better and just, you know, you're the like, oh, my God, these guys are WrestleMania talent. And that's true. But I don't want it. I don't want anybody to leave. I want NXT to not have to reload every couple of years. I want guys to just go, you know what? This life in NXT where I get to live right near where we shoot in Florida and I'm only working a couple of days a week and I know we go on these mini NXT tours and I get to build toward these huge pay-per-views where the critical fans are going nuts and we got this great booker named Triple H and maybe I'm not moving merch sales like those other guys, but you know what? I come from the indies, bro. This is my life and I'm living it. Yes, NXT is a is a playground that I want. I, uh, want, to stay, I, want, it to, I want it to stay. I, with I, I think as, great, as much as we love NXT and as much as people want to praise it for the talent, um, they're making significantly less money, not mentioning merch sales. And they are not known nearly as worldwide as WWE superstars are. So Will while in sentiment, in, in sentiment, it's nice to say what you said. In reality, I don't necessarily know anyone who would say, yeah, nah, you, let me say, keep me here for six more months. I don't think that happens. Change, and I don't have inside info. I don't have anything on this. Will your opinion change when we find out that NXT is moving to FS1 on Wednesday nights next next calendar year. I don't know if it will. It doesn't seem like it will, but do you have would your opinion change? Um, maybe a little. It depends if that's live. It depends if it's live. It depends. Do they start mixing in NXT on? You know, is there an NXT match on kickoff shows for WWE pay per views? Do these guys get featured? Does the merch really start moving? There's a lot of questions there, but these guys don't make the money. Even guys that they know they're going to call up, like Finn and like Shinsuke. They don't make the same money in NXT that they do on the main roster. They just don't. And really, there's no one that wants to stick in NXT for any extended period of time because if, if their other option is to go to WWE. You want to be on the main roster. You want to make more money. You want to get featured on pay-per-views and TV. And you want your brand to explode. That's what you want. That's why you join the company. That's fair. That's fair. All right. What I want to do is get out of this show because we've been here for three hours. Special thanks to Nick Costas. Look, I don't know if we're going to see him again, but it was a fun nostalgic return it was kind of like iron Sheik coming back for the gimmick battle royal at wrestlemania 17 right i mean you know Mm -hmm. where are your feels right now no it was great appearance by nick uh he asked us literally on the show if he did a good job i have no doubt that once we get out of here he's gonna we're gonna get some texts hey was that good today or are we sure everything was really good yes nick did a great job on the show it was fun to have him do hope he uh shows up more often than he has been but if we're being candid Football season's about to start. I'm about to get really busy. He's about to get really busy. I'm not going anywhere. 
But we'll see how often we can get Nick on the show kind of heading into the fall. Might be me and Thanos Backlund turning the show around. Make make ITC great again right there. Uh, Yeah, Nick, don't tease the bag anymore. You don't care about the fans. Great to see you back (laughs) on this one. Hey, my soundboard just died, but I will tell you goodbye and good night, bang, and all that good stuff. Hey, enjoy SummerSlam weekend, guys. Check out our interview show with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. You will not be disappointed for the Silver King BC here giving you two words for the people. We out.